Captain's Log, Stardate 1313. Mockingbird Lane. I'm Captain Britain. And I'm Manchurian Candidate Clone Pat. These are the voyages of the Starship Soyager, our ongoing mission to explore new Trek episodes, to seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go to, to, to the, the, the Jerk, jerk Store! Because they're running out of you. The show where two trickies ask themselves every week, O'Brien must suffer, mm-hmm. but why? Irish. Mm. There are people, like even in space, they can't escape. <laughs> Just nonstop torture. That's, that's true. <laughs> if you wouldn't mind getting closer to the mic. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. All righty. Uh, today we will be watching and reviewing Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 5, Reflections. And also Deep Space Nine. Season two, episode fourteen, whispers. Yeah. But first, also, yeah, both very similar episodes. I just realized, kind of in ways. They in have, ways, they have, they have through kind of lines, the shadow lines. self. Yeah, confronting in, the shadow self. In, in, eh, indeed, maybe indeed. Mm. But but first, let's talk about what's new in the world of Trek. We got Trek news for you. This week in Trek News, one thing I actually just read uh, while we were uh, watching the episodes a few minutes ago, it has actually been confirmed by apparently a reputable source uh, that has been unnamed by uh, giantfreakingrobot.com that, in fact, there is a uh, a series in development at Paramount that stars Seven of Nine, Jerry Ryan. Seven oh, dang. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, it will probably con- it will star her, and uh, apparently, maybe continue like on the storyline from Picard. Because, mm. as we know, uh, season three of Picard will be the final season. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> thank, thank, yeah, thank God. The suffering's almost done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, uh, Jerry Ryan still still doing pretty, great, pretty yeah. young. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. And she's yeah, still pretty good actor, even though they didn't give her a lot to work with last season. No, or yeah. the season before. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's pretty exciting. Uh, yeah. Other Trek news. Uh, this week, Terry Metalis, showrunner for Star Trek Picard Season 3, talked about the reveal of the USS Titan A and its design. Um, Metalis said in an interview uh, earlier this week, uh, so in the trailer, you see our hero ship of Season 3. It's actually a class that's called, in Starfleet slang, the Neo-Constitution class, or Constitution 3. Uh, Matala said uh, that before mentioning that the ship was designed by a fan. Mm. Um, he said, uh, let's say there are a few fan design ships that are canonized in the season that are in the fleet. Mm. Uh, he continued explaining that the design was heavily influenced by previous Titan designs due to the ship's uh, connection to the plot, saying, so the idea that was after the Luna class's legacy run with Liker, uh, Liker, Riker, <laughs> that, uh, that, 
uh, that ship was damaged and retired. Some of the systems were refit and put into the Titan and became the Titan A. Uh, he continued with a brief history of the ship, explaining, uh, You'll see in the season that in the observation room, we honor the previous Titans that have come before. You'll see a gold model of the Luna-class uh, USS Titan as seen in Lower Decks, mm. which we saw at the end of Season 1 of Lower mm. Decks, and uh, in Season 2, um, which was designed by... Sean uh, Terugino. I don't know if that's his name. It's, I can't <laughs> pronounce that. That's all French. Yeah, you can take your best uh, guess. There's a lot of vowels in this one. <laughs> and like a G, like right in the middle of the vowels. So I'm Ooh. like, no, I don't, I'm not, trying, I'm not doing that. Uh, we even see a previous incarnation from the TOS movie era. Mm. Uh, we'll see that there was a Titan that was a bit of a constitution class as well. The original Shangri-La class, which was mm. designed by Fan. Bill Krause. Hmm. I, for one, think it's awesome that they're taking fan designs. Yeah. Uh, Trek uh, was always at its best when it was taking open suggestions and like unsolicited scripts. Mm-hmm. And it would be rad if that could like happen in the future. Yeah. Like it is a, a, a fan driven franchise. And so I like when mm-hmm. fans get involved. Uh, moving on to Trek news. Unfortunately, this week we have a Trek obituary. Oh, no. Actress Marva Hicks. Uh, who uh, played several characters on Voyager, but most uh, notably Tuvok's wife, Tapel, has passed away this week at age 66. Oh, wow. Uh, born in Petersburg, Virginia in 1956, Hicks first entered the entertainment industry after graduating from Howard University and uh, was a gospel singer in the late 70s, but by the 80s had transitioned into recording more secular music and peaked in 1991 with uh, her R&B single Never Been in Love Before, which uh, peaked at seven on the R&B charts. Through music, Hicks began working in Broadway musicals and easily made the transition into acting. In 1995, she tried out for a bit part in Star Trek Voyager and was given it, but was eventually uh, came back and given the uh, role of Tapel, Tuvok's wife, for like three episodes. Um, so rest in peace among the stars, uh, Tapel, and thanks for your gift to us and pussy good enough to keep Tuvok away from hugging, uh, fucking Hollow Sweet programs for like seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Must be some good pussy. Isn't that uh, one alien that he was on the planet with? Oh, yeah, yeah. Lots yeah. of things wanted to fuck him. Mm-hmm. He, he, he didn't put out, though. He no. did not put out. No. Finally, in Trek news this week, it was announced this week that Star Trek Discovery Season 4 will be released on Blu-ray, DVD, and Steelbook this December 6th. In addition to all 13 episodes, all versions of the physical release will also include uh, Star Trek Discovery The Voyage of Season 4, which is a continuation of uh, the series from the previous uh, DVDs. It's a behind-the-scenes featurette which includes writers and producers as they discuss how their visions were realized by the cast, the sets, uh, costumes, and props in season four. We have a uh, featurette, Being Michael Burnham, The Captain's Log, uh, from Sequoia Martin Green. Fans are taken through her personal journey as Captain Michael Burnham. Follow Martin Green as she sits in the captain's chair and shares intimate videos taken throughout the season, behind-the-scenes moments and interviews. A uh, thing called Creating Space, where fans can explore the visual effects department to see their use of an AR wall uh, for immersive on-screen experience created for the holodeck, which utilizes the largest uh, augmented reality wall to date. Oh, shit. That'd be uh, cool to go into. Something called The Toll It Took, which is uh, from the writer's room and prop building to costume fittings, the production stage and post, the casting crew discussed the toll COVID took during the development of season four. I can imagine. Uh, they have commentary for one episode. 
Uh, only one. Yep, uh, four thirteen coming home. I think the the finale of the season. Oh yeah, I haven't, I haven't even watched that one. Yet. Yeah. Uh, they also have deleted scenes and a gag reel. Oh yeah, I love gag reels. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> in, in the article I read, it called the season certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. And I I would like you to guess what the critical score is on Rotten Tomatoes and what the audience score is on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm, I'm gonna guess. Um, Rotten Tomatoes score is eighty percent. Okay, and, and audience score. Audience score, I'm going to guess 40. 40. Yeah. So you think there's a 40% discrepancy? I think so. You think it's that big of a gulf? Yes. Wow. Um, so it's a 75-point uh, discrepancy. <laughs> what? <laughs> the, the critics gave it a 94%. The audience gave it a 19%. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, audience hated it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can understand. I mean, this, um, this not my favorite. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be many people's favorite. It's got to be someone's favorite out yeah. there, but I don't know them. I've never met them. I'm, I'm guessing mm-hmm. they're like kids or not kid. you know, like young adults, like people I don't really talk to. Yeah. Like yeah. the, a lot of the dialogue is kind of weird. Just like, you know, I'm glad I, I went to therapy for my It's PTSD. soy, let's yeah. be honest. So it's yeah. Star Trek Discovery is in a way the reason this this podcast was created and conceptualized. Mm-hmm. Like originally when coming up with the idea for this podcast, I was like, well, I want something to be like kind of fun and political, mm-hmm. but I also want to do it through the lens of something. Mm-hmm. And right now, like Star Trek is so like bad at everything that uh, I, I, I want to, I want to. Sorry, I mean, I, I, I think. Uh, no, I, I'm not saying right now, oh, but yeah. when I was conceptualizing oh, yeah, this yeah. podcast like a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. two years ago, like, um, you know, it's it's before like Lower Decks had gotten really like decent in any way. Like it was still, I think, in the and first those, season of Lower Strange Decks, new worlds. we didn't have Strange New Worlds exactly, yeah. and so we were on like Discovery season three at the time, and I was like, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta like do some kind of critical analysis of this because I just like. There's no other way I can stomach this and anymore. Then, and then you got Picard. Yeah, and then we got Picard season two. So I'm like, okay, now I'm committed to making this podcast. And so that's our first episode is mm-hmm. I was talking about Picard season two with our previous uh, co-host. Mm-hmm. And um, and then like Strange New Worlds debuted right after the finale mm-hmm. of, of uh, Picard season two, which was super weird because you like – walked out of the frying pan and you're like, all yeah. right, straight into the fryer. And it was like, no, it was straight into like a good Star Trek show. And I was like, wait, um, hmm, well, yeah, me and my, I, yeah. I didn't expect that. Yeah. Me and my roommate had the same experience where we watched, uh, the season finale of Picard season two and we were just mm-hmm. like glum. And then like, we're just like, well, might this, as well. This new shows on, might as well watch that. And yeah. We right. Were just like blown away. We were yeah. just like, we were just like almost like vibrating in our seats. Right, right, right. So like, much. yeah, yeah. Me and Spencer couldn't believe. And I, I'm still just like kind of taken aback that there was like that big of a gulf in quality yeah. from two different shows that are ostensibly made by like the same people. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely trying to like hit different markets. They, they can, are like they like are. all the current Star Trek shows are very different from one another. So, so tell me the market you think they were trying to go for with Picard because I, oh. I, I have a very specific. <laughs> market i think they were trying to go for yeah i have no idea what do you, I, I, what do you think i think it was like weepy old women like women who <laughs> used to watch like like women like you know like postmenopausal women who like look and talk like Michelle barrett 
I guess. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, I mean, I... Um... Like, like old women who wear, like, uh, fucking, like, shirts with, like, fucking, like, Ruth Bader Ginsburg in a Star Trek but uniform the, but and shit the, like that. But the story is so convoluted, I don't... Yeah, well, I mean, like... that that's great, because these old women already, like, have, like, <laughs> MSNBC dementia, so yeah. they're fucking, like... <laughs> you went to therapy that's great and now you can be in love with the romulan yeah, I, was, I was trying to like i was i, I was really excited for it initially because like i kind of had like a different idea of what it was going to be we all had a different like idea i kind of what thought it you know it sort of like a like a, a murder she wrote <laughs> almost kind of like with like picard where he's just kind of like you know he's that would have been he's, cool he's like retired and he's just kind of like just like you know, solving small mysteries or some that shit. That would have been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it would have been, like, yeah, that would have been really neat. But Yeah, like, the, the, the robot body really oh, blew God, me What away. was his name um, when he was, like, the private eye in the holodeck? What was his name? Um, Dude, uh, it started with a D. Yeah. God, um, fuck. Uh, yeah, it's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That'd be awesome if, yeah, he did more of that shit. Like, they could do more, like, slice of life stuff with him. They could literally, like, play out an entire season of inner light because oh, everyone loved inner light dixon dixon there you go yeah. thank you dixon yeah yeah dixon dixon cider <laughs> dixon cider <laughs> oh yeah his last name cider <laughs> dixon cider dixon cider oh that's my new name yeah. but like um uh yeah i would have liked also yeah just like him just like dotting around with like archaeology alien archaeology and some shit but yeah mm-hmm. like the whole the whole like, plot of the first season and the second season just blew me away. I was like, I was not expecting this, and it wasn't like a pleasant surprise. But... Oh, it was all bad. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know, they're trying. They are. <laughs> they're certainly trying. Yeah, you're not wrong. At about least we that. still, you know, we got lower decks and strange new worlds that we certainly. we both love. We got we got we got some good <laughs> stuff here and there. Yeah. Alrighty, well, um, that's all the Trek news we have for the week. And with that, you want to get into our new Trek for the week? I can dig it. All right, let's take a trip down the turbo lift because we're heading to the lower decks, baby. Out track. All right, lower decks this week. That was the new track. We have uh, season three, episode five, reflections. Mm. Uh, came out today, September 22nd, 2022. This one was written by Mike McCann, who is the uh, co-creator of Rick and Morty mm. and creator of Solar Opposites and mm. creator of Lower Decks. Yeah. So, yeah, he's um, the, the showrunner. Yeah, he's uh, he's taking charge of this one. Uh, but it's directed by Michael Mullen, who uh, directed episode two of this season, mm. uh, Least Dangerous Game, and also the uh, Kung Fu Panda shows. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, you can. Yeah, I guess like it makes sense. Like the creator of it, like took the helm on this because like you know they established some pretty, uh, I guess like large narrative shifts. That Absolutely, they're gonna be taking, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's get into it. Yeah, we open on the USS Cerritos, and Rutherford is asleep in his bunk, obviously having a nightmare, mumbling something about how it's overheating. We take a trip into his dream, and he sees his reflection in a computer panel. And he appears to be without his eye enhancement device. Whatever he's trying to fix fails and blows up in his face, causing Rutherford to wake up in a start and scare the guy who's always wearing a towel. <laughs> he slumps back into his bunk, afraid. Opening credits, 51 seconds this time. 
Yeah. So very, very quick. Uh, yeah, very quickly. Very quick and not very funny, um, you know, cold mm-hmm. open, which is fine. Yeah, I guess it just doesn't want... need to be funny. Yeah, I guess they had a lot of ground they needed to cover. So True, true. So we get in from the opening credits and we get a captain's log. Captain's log, start eight, five, eight, three, four, five, dot two. The Cerritos is back at Tolgana 4, where we'll be updating the Federation consulate's power systems. A straightforward job, which gives us extra time to fill some of our Starfleet quotas. Mm-hmm. On the ship, Mariner's complaining that they have to work the recruitment booth for Starfleet, and Boimler says that someone has to do it, to which Mariner says that nobody's ever signed up for Starfleet at the recruitment booth. <laughs> Tendy pipes in to say that she did, because of course she did. Mm-hmm. Um, Boimler says that it's their assignment, so what can they do? And Mariner suggests complaining the entire time to make it twice as miserable. (laughs) Over with Rutherford and Tendi, they're trying to repair a transport shuttle, and Rutherford is yawning and seems distracted. Tendi asks him if he's okay, and he says he's been having the same recurring nightmare all week and hasn't slept well because of it. Tendi asks if it's the dream where he's in a timeline where Spock and Kirk have cinematic chemistry, (laughs) which is actually a pretty fun joke, and I think it's a a Kelvin timeline joke. Because, I mean, you know, uh, yeah. Also, were we talking about this? Do you think, like, in the next season of Strange New Worlds, do you think they'll make him, make Kirk canonically bisexual? And have, like... I don't think so. Not not this Kirk. This Kirk sucks. I don't yeah. <laughs> I don't want this Kirk to be bisexual. I'd be fine with Ethan Peck, like, this Spock yeah. being bisexual. Mm. But this Kirk is such a buzz... Like, I'd be fine. Everyone would be fine with Chris Peck being a bisexual Kirk. Yeah. Everyone would be fine with that. Yeah. The gays have been asking for that for years <laughs> now. We've been, we've been lobbying. That's what we put all of our lobbying money towards. <laughs> I was just wondering, cause like I was remembering like in the, in the last uh, episode of uh strange new worlds, uh, uh, Kirk gate did give like Spock kind of a look. So I was wondering if, that... Oh, a look. Yeah. A look. And you think he's going to suck Spock's dick? Yeah. <laughs> Wow, you've you've been thinking about this, haven't you? Yeah, you know, just you know, when I'm when I'm in bed at night and I can't sleep, you know, I'm just tossing, turning. <laughs> or when you're in bed at night and you can sleep, <laughs> um, just just like yeah, just just put it into my dream journal, manifesting mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that what you call your erotic fanfic? Yeah, your dream journal. You can find that fanfic on. No, I'm just kidding. No, you're not. <laughs> Tendy scans Rutherford and says he seems to have extra memories stored in his buffer um, and probably useless stuff like when he called the captain mom. <laughs> she asks if he wants to get his cash purged and he accepts gladly, which to me, I'd be like, so where's the hand job? Yeah. And so they're pretty you're, much you're doing gonna, like You're going to purge my cash, right? That <laughs> means you're going to make me come, right? That's... They're kind of doing like a uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind thing on him. A little bit. Yeah, yeah where, he, where, like, he can just get, like, certain memories just, like, completely erased and as if they never happened to him. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. What would, what would you erase? If you oh, were... God. So much. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, what wouldn't you erase? <laughs> like, yeah. I think I'd just be, uh, yeah, I think after I'd be done, I'd just be, like, a newborn baby. Yeah. <laughs> Pat like big shiny world. They would just put me in a giant crib and just leave me there. I'd just be like, oh, he's he's a complete blank. (laughs) They have to teach me everything from scratch. Um, Not far off from now, though. (laughs) (laughs) But then I'd be pure. I wouldn't be like you know just haunted as I am twenty four seven. I'd be I'd just be like no. 
no thoughts, just just happy. Yeah, right. <laughs> Did you think you'd get to keep your uh, forklift certification? Ooh, yeah, I think it'd take everyone except, everything except that, yeah. so I could still be forklift certified. The forklift certified but I have, baby. But I, but I have the mind of a baby. <laughs> forklift certified man, baby. <laughs> That'd be a sick show. I'd watch forklift certified man, baby. <laughs> It'd be great because I'd be. I think I'd probably be better because I wouldn't be like. I wouldn't be um, put down by any sort of like horrible trauma that in my in my life. I'd just be like, I love driving the forklift. <laughs> You're just running it into things. We're like, listen, listen. He's still OSHA certified. Like, okay. we just need a we just need a warm body. We like, forgot to teach him that murder's bad. He can't keep running people over. Um. So, uh. Tendi um, asks if Rutherford wants his cash purged, and he accepts gladly. And Tendi then tells him to go take a nap, as it'll have him feeling like a new man after the mm. cash purge. Boimler and Mariner are busy loading some equipment into a transport, and Mariner's frustrated. She says she has a degree in Zeno history, but it's fine they put her on a folding table duty. <laughs> Just then, Jack Ransom overhears her and approaches Mariner, saying he doesn't care if she likes her assignment is liking it is not the point. She refutes this by saying the point is to give them busy work so the captain can tick off a meaningless box. Ransom says he cares, and if Mariner so much as steps out of the booth for on her assignment, she'll be transferred to Starbase 80, <laughs> uh, which Mariner pleads for him not to joke about because it's that bad. <laughs> Mariner gives in and pilots the shuttle down to the planet. In Rutherford's bunk, he's going in for a nap. Suddenly, his digital implant short circuits and the eyepiece turns red. Uh, he immediately wakes up and is confused and seems annoyed to be on a California-class vessel. And <laughs> uh, But he's also confused by his implant, which, after looking the window, begins to talk to him. He's, like, mm. doing kind of, um, like, he's out, out there with, like, the red implant and then the real Rutherford like that we know is talking to him from inside the window mm. and it kind of goes back and forth like this. Um, Rutherford has lost his body and the implant is taken over completely. Rutherford tries to call for help, believing he's been taken over by an anaphasic life form, but his implant overrides this down with Mariner and Boimler on Tolgana four. They've set up their booth and Mariner is trying to attract the passerbys in an attempt to completely dissuade Jack Ransom from sending her to Starbase 80. A Tellarite shows up and asks if uh, one would have to go through Starfleet Academy to serve aboard a ship. Mariner says you don't, and um, he could just be a non-commissioned officer in Transporter mm -hmm. Bay. However, a woman in a nearby booth hears this and tells the Tellarite that non-commissioned officers get boring work in a windowless room <laughs> for seven years, and the Tellarite leaves immediately. Mariner is angry at the woman, who mm -hmm. is an independent archaeologist, but she's unfazed and jibes them about her their assignment. Yeah, I feel like they based her off of Vash, probably. A little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I didn't mm. even think about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. It's like a, a Tomb Raider. Oh, do you think they based Tomb Raider off of Vash a little? Oh. Interesting. Man. I mean, Vash and also <laughs> um, fucking, uh, what's her face? Um, Dr. Cameron David's mom, or not Cameron, Dr. David's mom, mm -hmm. you know, Dr. David's mom, Dr. David's mom, <laughs> Dr. David's mom. Uh, yeah. Her. Um, the one they have in one movie and then she just disappears from the universe forever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even though she, you know, created the Genesis project, which is like 
kind of the point of like three films. Yeah. And they just gave up on it and never touched it again. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I like, <laughs> I, I like that they did that. I like, they're like, nah, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, we don't want to play God. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's good. You're playing God, you green blooded bastards. <laughs> um, so, uh, Mariner is angry at the archaeologist who, um, but she's unfazed and as she jibes them about their assignment. Mariner ignores her and talks to a Galkarian, but uh, this one is scared away when the archaeologist warns them of Borg assimilation. Mariner is ready to fight the archaeologist, but Boimler is able to calm her down. Hmm. Back on the Cerritos, Rutherford's implant is mocking the ship as his real personality is fighting for control of his body. The oh, implant... Who's the real personality, though? That's a great question. We'll get into that. Get into the that. duality yeah. of man. Oh. Uh, the implant notices Ensign Barnes and attempts to flirt with her in a bid to get information about the security shift change. But Barnes, uh, like a symbiote, isn't having it. And the implant eventually offends Barnes until she cries. Desperate for a way out of control from his implant, Rutherford attempts to find Tendi, hoping she'll have a solution. Mm-hmm. He locates her in uh, a repair bay and heads there while telling his implant to stay away from her. Mm-hmm. Rutherford gets to the repair bay, and his implant is still in control. Approaching Tendi, who is examining a plant uh, that releases mind control pollen. <laughs> uh, you think that's like Michael Pollen? Ooh. The author? Mind control pollen. Yeah. From um, the, the guy who writes about food. Oh, I thought <laughs> you meant um, uh, from uh, Monty Python. No, no. That's... <laughs> yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So uh, the implant says it can't remember when the shift changes, and Tendi immediately tells him. They both laugh, and Rutherford, the real one, (laughs) in a desperate attempt to free himself, punches his implant. It malfunctions, and Tendi notices. The implant tells him to stop. Tendi tries to scan the implant, but it takes control and shoves her before running off. Tendi calls for emergency medical. Down on Tulgana 4 again, Mariner and the archaeologist are still going at it in their respective booths. Mariner calls her a space thief, telling her (laughs) if she really was pursuing knowledge, she wouldn't avoid Starfleet. The archaeologist finally reveals herself as Petra Aberdeen, a graduate of Starfleet and former officer aboard the USS Victory, who became disillusioned with the militarism and violence of Starfleet before quitting. Mariner is still annoyed, but is unwilling to risk laughing Oh, sorry, lashing out and being sent to Starbase 8, <laughs> the worst fate of all. <laughs> what do you think is so bad about Starbase 80? Mm. I imagine it's very remote, so they probably don't get, like, the best stuff. But then again, you know, they have replicators. They can, it, they can feel like you can have anything you want. So. Yeah. But, I mean, it could just be crappy, like... Uh, oh, they probably like, don't have holodecks there. No holodecks, yeah, so they don't have any mass praetoriums. Um, oh no. <laughs> no no hollow suites even yeah so like, what, do, what do you think so hollow suite is obviously smaller than a holodeck right i guess so yeah so you're thinking like hollow suites more like like a porno booth a little bit yeah, that, yeah. that's kind of what i'm saying and then and but then, then like and they then have the, they have limitless size and well yeah so well that's that's what i tell everyone online <laughs> but you know it's a lie yeah it's, it's a lie <laughs> I mean, then they come beat you. Yeah. <laughs> then I pull it out. <laughs> but yeah, I figure you're like, yeah, you can just like, you know. Yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess the holodeck 
does look bigger, I guess. Yeah, it is pretty big. Yeah. It's a big boy. I guess, yeah, just how many people it can actually fit as opposed to. Yeah, because I don't think you yeah. can really use a Hall of Suite for something like a bar. Like, well, yeah. I, I guess they do, though, because they have the, the fucking, like, um, the um, Vic Fontaine bar yeah. people hang out at, kind of. Yeah. But I, I thought it was funny that, like, the Vic Fontaine bar started to be more popular than Quark's. <laughs> yeah, that sucks, right? <laughs> I, I'd probably go to the Vic Fontaine bar. I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah. I'm not a big gambler, so I probably would have to go, though. Oh yeah, but I mean, you like titties, so Dabo girls. What I mean, true. It's it's the hollow suite though, so you can make any type of titties. Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, that's right. That, oh, God, torn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends on if I want to like ha- make a whole outfit to wear. I guess. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> so back on the Cerritos, Rutherford's implant has him sneaking through the hallways in an attempt to hide from Tendi, uh, Doctor Tana, and Shax, all of whom are looking for him. He gets into the transporter room via some Jeffrey's tube and knocks out the transporter chief. He attempts mm-hmm. to beam off the ship, but it won't let him, whereby he's confronted by a Shax, who tells him he should know that Tolgana 4's ion field prevents transport systems from working, something that the real Rutherford would absolutely know. Mm-hmm. Rutherford evades Shax and transports to the captain's yacht. And the, Also, doesn't he call him Baby Bear at that point? Uh, uh, he does, just uh, in, a, in a second. Uh, uh uh, so as he tries to initiate the warp drive, Rutherford makes one final attempt at attacking his implant, causing it to malfunction long enough for Shax to stun him with a phaser saying, sorry, baby bear. <laughs> um, Shax catches Rutherford's unconscious body and calls for Dr. Tana. In Mad Bay, Tana has done some scans and says there's no anaphasic presence in Rutherford and Rutherford is still himself, but his memory and personality are from 10 years ago. As though a backup overwrote his brain. And how old is Rutherford? Um, ageless, ageless, formless, timeless, and unknowing. Because yeah, it, it, I'm gonna guess he's like maybe 28. Yeah, that makes because sense. Because because it, it said like uh, he's had this thing since he's been in Starfleet. Yeah. So or could, like at the, at the beginning of Starfleet. Imagine you so. join at like 18, probably. But at the same time, I want to say it like one of the first episodes like Boimler or something mentioned that he had just gotten the implant, but he might've, that might've been a memory that was implanted. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. yeah, With that, you can just like go and Uh, retcon whatever you want. Blame it on the memory thing. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I always assumed that he was, I I always assumed like all the lower deck uh, characters were like early twenties. Maybe. Uh, Well, no, cause, um, a Mariner at least is obviously like late twenties. Cause she's been in, in Starfleet Uh, for like 10 years now. Yeah, that's true. Because um, she's been on like five hmm. different ships and whatever. Yeah, so. I guess they are all in their late 20s. Except for Boimler and Tendi, I don't think. Yeah. I don't hmm. know. It might be. So, uh, Tendi, Tendi frantically wonders if clearing Rutherford's cash erased her best friend. Uh, Tana says there's a lot of cerebral activity still going on, and they'll just have to wait and see which Rutherford wakes up. In Rutherford's mind, past Rutherford wakes up and modern Rutherford introduces him to the blank white void they're in, which kind of looks like when um, fucking Picard is in his brain talking to Q or whatever. Yeah, and he gets yeah, after he gets like shot and mm-hmm. he's like, well, let's see what happens if you never got stabbed in the heart. Yes. And then, he, then he becomes a, um, a science officer Picard yeah, that everyone little, hates. little pussy Picard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Science officer Picard fucking sucks. Like, it's so good he got stabbed. Yeah. Everyone loves that he got stabbed. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so past Rutherford says they're both trapped in a mindscape where they can manifest anything with their thoughts. Current Rutherford discovers that his implant partitioned his personality into two different caches and they have to fight for dominance. Current Rutherford calls past him an imposter and to prove that he's not past Rutherford recreates a workshop where he's building a racing pod, uh, which is pretty much just like an engine with a little thing in front of it. Very reminiscent of Star Wars racing yeah, pods. Yeah, now this is pod racing. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> uh, Rutherford says he doesn't remember this. Uh, the current Rutherford does. Mm-hmm. And old Rutherford says he's erased his memories with the implant. Current Rutherford insists it was installed to help him with engineering. And old Rutherford asks if he's sure before pressing a button on the implant that, bring, uh, that brings that brought him back to an operating table on which his implant was installed. The two shadowy figures performing the operation say they're going to implant the memory of the implant being elective. Old Rutherford said the implant tried to erase cool old Rutherford, but it wasn't powerful enough. Mm-hmm. Current Rutherford asks if he was always there, why didn't old Rutherford try to take over before? And old Rutherford responds that he did. Every time the implant bug, bugs out is another attempt, including when Rutherford liked pears for a couple <laughs> of, for like an episode. Uh, current Rutherford asks if old him repopulates his body, does that mean current him dies? Mm-hmm. And old Rutherford confirms this. Just then, a light beams down into the workshop, and old Rutherford runs for it, and the two struggle. Current Rutherford says old him isn't going anywhere till they figure things out and asks where they even are. Old Rutherford says they're in his old garage where he had to keep, uh, which he had to keep because Starfleet wouldn't let him test his own engines. Old him says it doesn't matter since they funded the whole operation doing illegal races through the neutral zone. Old him excoriates current him for being a goody two shoes. Mm hmm. The garbage, or sorry, the garage, uh, the garage begins crumbling, and current Rutherford asks how they get out. Old Rutherford proposes they have to race for control of his body, wherein they have to build their own ships. Current Rutherford agrees on this plan. Also, which, since like they can manifest anything, but the whatever they create still obeys the laws of physics. Exactly. So I'm like. Yeah, like they, they if it's a if it's a if it's a space with limitless possibilities, why couldn't they just like create the warp ten shuttle from Voyager <laughs> yeah. to turn fucking Tom Paris into yeah, a reptile? Just, yeah, and just say like, oh, this thing just goes, you know, faster because than... because then they turn into reptiles. Duh. Uh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, back on Tulgana Four, an alien is asking Doctor Aberdeen if she gets to touch mummies, and she says <laughs> she does, and then insults Starfleet again. Uh, just then, the Collector's Guild shows up and makes fun of the Starfleet officers for being stuck in their booth. Just then, the Conspiracy Truthers come up to the booth and ask when the truth is coming out about what happened to Cisco. <laughs> uh, Mariner says he's working hard in the Celestial Temple, which I think this is the first time like in anything outside of DS9 they've ever mentioned that. Yeah, I also think, like, I mean, that sounds like a cover story. Yeah, it does. But yeah, he's he's definitely with the prophets. Oh, he is. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere or another. Then um the guy asks about aliens crawling into Starfleet officers' <laughs> butts and taking over their brains. 
in an homage to the TNG episode conspiracy. Do you ever, do you ever think they'll bring Cisco back in some capacity? Like I, I hope so. Like I, I, I don't. I don't. Cisco like I think Avery Brooks said he probably doesn't want to return. He's yeah. not going to return. But they could probably bring back like a younger actor. That'd be cool to play him because mm-hmm. he, you know, he can. He's like he can dude, choose any like, form he wants. Or, dude, a fucking uh, or like I mean, a Cisco prequel series could fuck. Yeah, you know. Who yeah, knows? but like, be funny if the if if God Cisco somehow. Oh yeah, <laughs> but, oh, he he's just like a different kind of Q, basically. That'd be sick as fuck, actually. Yeah. Actually, that'd rule if they just made him like, yeah, like <laughs> a god, basically. That'd be so cool. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Boimler says that uh, the the butt bugs is just a stupid conspiracy that never happened, but Mariner corrects him and says she thinks it does. <laughs> Did uh, they ask how? They know Mariner and Boimler don't have butt bugs and walk off <laughs> laughing, which was a really great joke. Yeah, I like that. Um, back in Rutherford's mind, he's hard at work engineering his own racing ship to beat the past version of himself. They both finish around the same time, and old Rutherford comes into current Rutherford's bay, making fun of him and asking uh, if his design is Starfleet. Current Rutherford confirms this, saying he recreated the Delta Flyer from Voyager, name-dropping Tom Paris in the process. <laughs> Old Rutherford then reveals his design, and current Rutherford is blown away. Um, it's basically an X-wing with only yeah. things. It's it's whatever. No, very bad color scheme. I think it's like oh, it's, it's terrible. Know, green and pink. And... Oh yeah, it, look, it looks like a bad pair of Nikes. Yeah, um, that, that some some very like hype kid would wear. Yeah, very hype. yeah, nineties pair of, of Nikes or something. Uh, yeah, or like one of the like the throwback ones that some some kid who's wearing like a four thousand dollar outfit would wear for, <laughs> yeah. for only dumb reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so back in Rutherford's mind, he's hard at work engineering. Uh, no, I already got that. Um, so on Tolgana four. Dr. Aberdeen is looking at a pad and asks if Boimler and Mariner are from the Cerritos and accuses them of bombing Paclid planet. <laughs> uh, and Mariner's like, uh, no, they bombed themselves because they did. Yeah. Uh, just then, some outpost scientists come up to the booth and Mariner says she doesn't want to deal with them. But one of them seems to have a genuine question and asks uh, if all Starfleet officers get a uniform. Boimler excitedly says yes, uh, but... Not everyone has the style that they do, and the woman laughs, saying Starfleet uniforms look dumb. <laughs> Boimler tries to point out all the cool designs, and the woman asks why they even need uniforms if they are in the military, and Dr. Aberdeen pipes in to say she thinks they are like the military. <laughs> uh, the outpost yeah, pseudo-navy. <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the outpost scientists say they get to wear whatever they want, and the woman removes Boimler's pip and tosses it to the ground, <laughs> stepping on it. And Boimler sees red. Um, and this is actually kind of the moment of the episode where I realized, like, like this was a good episode. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of the jokes really worked. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like Lower Decks at its best because most all of the jokes were just Star Trek references yeah. in some way. <laughs> and I like that. I like mm-hmm. that a lot. It was um, lots of little Easter eggs. Yeah, got episode. all the different little crazy groups they always encounter mm-hmm. <laughs> at the little meetup. Love that. So Boimler sees Red and knocks over the booth, telling the scientists they don't want to save them from the Klingons or Borg. They just want to study fucking quasars. <laughs> uh, he tells the collectors the collecting is dumb and their ships smell like ass. <laughs> uh, as Mariner is trying to get him to stop, an alien approaches the booth and asks if Boimler is in Starfleet. Uh, Mariner reluctantly says yes, but the alien excitedly says, if Starfleet gives you that kind of confidence, I want to sign up. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Boimler is yelling about the human rights of the EMH. 
mm-hmm. which I thought was great. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, it yeah. was like uh, the doctor didn't spend seven years in the fucking Delta Quadrant <laughs> so you could question his agency. Yeah. He has rights. <laughs> uh, absolutely great writing. It's really true. love that. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's why I don't understand. Like, I always feel like the holograms are definitely more advanced than data in, in forms of AI. So yeah. I feel like, yeah, they are more human, but yeah, they don't have a physical form, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Just, just odd that like, going back to like, I don't you go you talk about Picard season one a lot, but that's why I don't understand why they are. What is, um, what is a spicy <clears throat> Latina say to, uh, to the EMH hmm. AI poppy. <laughs> But I don't understand why the ho- like holograms like EMH weren't considered to be dangerous AI that needed to be eliminated by the the Romulan group. Well, I mean, that's that's a good question. <laughs> at the same time, did we see holograms in Picard at all? Not really. I mean, oh yeah, I mean, like on the ship, like uh, oh remember, yeah, 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 fucking uh, they made uh, fucking Ninja- Lego Ninjago yeah. dude uh, into. Yeah, like so, and and we've seen like you know with like um, Moriarty, like you know holograms can are dangerous and can affect the physical world. That he like Moriarty took over the entire Enterprise. Yeah, and that's because he's a big dick swinger. Yeah, <laughs> but it's still it's like okay, well you don't see like the AI, like holograms as as a dangerous AI that needs to be eliminated to keep to keep from merging from with some far off machine intelligence, but like androids. Are 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 a bigger threat than those than holograms? Mm-hmm. Do do Welsh androids have sex with electric sheep? <laughs> That's my question. You know what? We'll figure it out. We will <laughs> together. We're going to Wales, baby. I guess it what would be legal, maybe in Wales. No, it's like I guess it's not a real sheep. Mm. It's an electric sheep. That's true. I mean, remember, I mean, but, so, remember at Spencer's Gifts, they used to sell blow-up sheet. Do you, ever, do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> so I guess it's like the same as... But I mean, if if the AI is like sentient, though, like, I mean, oh, if yeah. it's an advanced, like, AI yeah. sheep, oh, I'm yeah. asking. Oh, yeah, then it's basically, it's just, it's a sheep. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, I get that. Right, right. Or it could be even more advanced than it. It could be like a human sheep. Or like, a, <laughs> a, if Data was a sheep, consider that. mm like, yeah. even if he's fully functional, like, and, like, they get a, uh, someone from, like, a space Welshman up in there, and he's like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> I see you got a sheep. <laughs> is it, uh, is it ever, um, had farmer's rights, if you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, is it okay if I take it back to be placed for a while? <laughs> uh, I'm going to, uh, christen it. <laughs> you know what that means. Um, so back with Rutherford in his mind, the race is on old Rutherford tells him to watch out for Romulans, black holes and rogue planets as mm-hmm. the flag waves it's like rogue planets, rogue plant, rogue one. <laughs> I like that film. <laughs> old Rutherford clearly takes the lead when a Romulan warbird cloaks and begins shooting at both ships. And actually the animation on the scene looked awesome. Yeah. It was like beautiful, a especially like the Romulan warbird looked fucking sick yeah it did um yeah they did some like some 3d type animation with it and just looked like mm-hmm. really good 
this show, like in general, like really looks good. Especially the space, space scenes look very good. Yeah, I was, I was, I, I was really th- actually thinking that on the opening scene where it was like the uh, Cerritos looking over the planet. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, that looks really cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Good, good animation. Good animation. Yeah. Uh, so Kurt Rutherford um, uh, talks about putting some distance between himself and the Romulans, and old Rutherford asks if he's talking to himself. <laughs> he says, "No, he's talking to his crew." And reveals that he used his imagination to think of Tendi, Boimler, and Mariner as his crew for the Delta Flyer. Yeah, Old oh. Rutherford says this is unfair, but current Rutherford reminds him that he said anything goes. Yeah, anything goes. Again, that's why I don't know why they just didn't work. Just like I'm just going to make this thing that doesn't actually exist. Or, <laughs> or, or exist. yeah, like <laughs> I, I, I'm making just a force field around you and your ship. Yeah. yeah you or yeah, it's like a magic wand that instantly teleports you to the end. Or like a Hitachi magic wand. And then See? he goes and like makes Tendi squirt. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm seeing that's how you win the Kobayashi Maru. You think outside the box. You it, think outside. You think about magic wands. And you make fucking Tendi squirt. <laughs> exactly. And then she reprograms the Kobayashi Maru for you. Yeah. Because you fucking made her discover <laughs> that she can fucking pee all over her sheets if she wants to. <laughs> Back on Tolgana 4, Ransom is approaching the booth, saying to himself that Mariner better have a pad full of prospective Starfleet members. And she definitely does. Meanwhile, Boimler is still freaking out, saying he failed a Kobe, uh, Kobayashi Maru, the thing I just said twice, yeah. <laughs> 17 times before breaking a pencil and freaking out some more. Back with Rutherford. The Romulans are still in hot pursuit and shoot old Rutherford out of the sky. Even though it's space, there's no sky in space. Yeah. Old Rutherford shouts, now, attendee. And old Rutherford is beamed on board the Delta Flyer right as his ship explodes and Mariner warps away. Old Rutherford admits defeat and says, uh, the, uh, and then the Rutherfords are finally back in the white void and everyone disappears besides them. Old Rutherford begins fading and says Kerr and him learned something and got rid of all of his rage. Kerr and Rutherford asks if they can both stay. And Old Rutherford says no, because that would kill the both of them. Just then, Old Rutherford remembers how he got the implant and touches current Rutherford and says, Remember, like Spock does to Bones at the end of <laughs> Khan. And uh, he takes him into his memory, which is like, a fun kind of Easter egg, but at the same time, it was like a non-Vulcan doing a mind meld, which I was like, yeah. But it's like it's a, it's 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 a mind. You know? He is in his any, mind. Any, yeah. Any any anything goes in there. Unwind your mind and find. <laughs> Working on a racing pod, Old Rutherford uh, has an engine explode on him in his memory. Starfleet Medical is putting on his implant in a shadowy figure uh, of either a commander or a captain, they have at least three pips on their uniform, mm-hmm. uh, says to erase all of the memories that have to do with him. Old Rutherford fades uh, and thanks Kurt and Rutherford. Just then a light shines and Kurt Rutherford enters it only to wake up in medbay. Dr. Tana tells him not to move and Tendi asks him if he's okay and he says he is and she tears up. Back on the Cerritos. Wait, no, we are on the Cerritos. Mm. Still on the Cerritos, but <laughs> elsewhere. Boimler asks if he's in trouble for freaking out on Tolgana 4, and he has to go, and if he has to go serve on Starbase 80. <laughs> Ransom says it's nothing that bad. And yeah, that t- place is a hellhole. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then Tamarian <laughs> says, Coltar, 
when he drowned in the swamp, <laughs> which was a, just a great line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ransom gives Boimler one night in the brig, mm. which once again, why are we doing punitive things yeah. like putting someone in a jail cell for for messing? That's not yeah. like that's not rehabilitative. That's just a weird thing to keep doing several hundred years in the future. Yeah, why are we still putting people in cells <laughs> for doing bad things? It's so fucking weird. Mm. You need um, to send him to Australia. Yeah, right? <laughs> send him to Australia to yeah. hang out with Tom Paris. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. They busted Tom Paris out. What have you oh. done, Janeway? <laughs> no. So Boimler asks if Ransom is mad at him, and Ransom admits he's impressed because uh, Boimler acted so bold and asked Boimler to get a drink with him when he's out at the brig. Mm. Maybe, do you think he's going to invite him back to his place so they can, uh, you know, do a three-way on the churros lady? <laughs> I lady? hope so. Yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah, the churros lady's, like, talking, like, in his mind, talking him into, like, bringing Ooh. a third in. You know, I hope we get at least one USS Churritos um, <laughs> joke somewhere in here. They, yeah. they, they can definitely work it in there somewhere. Um, <clears throat> so. Yeah, wouldn't, the, it, wouldn't a churrito be a very small churro? It would, yeah. So, yeah, that would be. That would kind of be like an almost an insult, like a sexual insult. Oh yeah, yeah. If someone yeah, called yeah. Jack's Jack Ransom's penis the USS Churritos, yeah, both because it, it smells like <laughs> cinnamon because he has sex with a, yeah. a churro wife, mm-hmm. and also it's small, mm-hmm. and also it's kind of twisted, <laughs> has ribs, and deep fried. <laughs> mm. <laughs> give, me, give me some of that funnel cake, Peter. Peter. Um. So uh, now we're at the brig, and Mariner, Tendy, and Rutherford are keeping Boimler company. And Tendy's asking if someone blew Rutherford up. Uh, he says it has to be one of the senior officers from his first year, but he can't narrow it down as he looks at uh, the different senior officers on a pad. Mariner says for once she has to do the mission log instead of Boimler and goes to her quarters to do so as she's making recommendations on what booths not to set up near in the future, she gets an incoming transmission, and it's Dr. Aberdeen. Uh-oh. Mariner tries to hang up, but the doctor admits she was just trying to create a distraction so she could take back the stolen scepter of the Grand Negus. Mm-hmm. Aberdeen uh, says she's heard good things about Mariner, and if she ever gets tired of Starfleet, to give her a call. Mariner declines. And then has the option to choose or delete the contact. And she chooses save contact. Bum, bum, bum. So do you think Rom is still Grand Nagus at this point? Um, yeah. Yeah. For life. So yeah, I guess it was Rom. Uh, Rom, Rom had the had the scepter stolen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I like to believe like Rom, like as Grand Nagus completely like dissolved the hierarchy. Yeah. That's a- so like maybe he is Grand Nagus, but is a completely ceremonial position at this like point. Like the Queen of Britain. <laughs> yeah, but not a fucking bitch. Yeah, not a, yeah, everyone yeah. Every, I can see everyone loving Rom. <laughs> yeah, ex- yeah, everyone loves Rom. Like Rom like goes back and like unionizes Ferenginar. Yeah. Like that's that's what yeah, I'm it seeing. Yeah, makes turns it into a worker's paradise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe <laughs> bring like, uh, you haven't read Marx until you read it in the original Ferengi. <laughs> <laughs> that rules. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, Mariner saves the contact just as the Cerritos goes into warp. And there's definitely some big lesbian energy between Mariner there is, and yeah, uh, I was, Aberdeen. I was definitely expect, some I was expect, super lesbian energy. I thought there was going to be some making out at some yeah, point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. What do you think? 
Uh, I liked it. Yeah, they definitely set up uh, some stuff. Like now, I'm wondering if also they're going to bring back the conspiracy people. I, I like the conspiracy. Well, because, I mean, they had, they had in like season one, there was a conspiracy yeah. guy, the the fucking uh, uh, Wolf Three Five Nine mm-hmm. was an inside job guy. Yeah. So I hope they have more of that. Yeah, like now, especially now, it establishes like there is some conspiracy revolving around Rutherford. Like they can mm-hmm. come back and be like, it's bait, butt bugs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm also want, um, curious to see if like um, the the three shadowy figures are going to be revealed to be someone that we know on the Cerritos, and then someone that's maybe from another Trek show. Right. Yeah. So curious to see who who appears. You know, set some you know drama up for the, for the next have, season. Do you have any uh, any predictions? Mm. Yeah, I'm wondering if it has to be. You know, I'm wondering if um, the captain might be there, like Freeman. Or? Yeah, Freeman. Hmm. Yeah. Who knows? Because it was a male voice. I think. But I'm wondering the other two or the other two. Oh, the people who were performing the operation? yeah, or maybe it'd be Tiana. Yeah, it could be. Uh, who knows? Like, but yeah, the I'm wondering. Well, I'm thinking the main shadowy figure is probably going to be someone, a, a legacy Trek character from another show. Yeah, who do you who do you think? I don't know. It was a red uniform. It was a red and uniform. At least three pips. Mm, that'd be funny if it was Picard. <laughs> Picard could be Worf. Although at this point, Picard is. Now, if it was Worf, he would have his um, his uh, you know, his a uh, house. Oh uh, yeah, his sash. Uh, sash. Yeah. Yeah. Sa- sashay away. Yeah. So Who Yeah, knows? that's that's a very masculine thing to wear as a sash, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, th- things change, you know, the pantyhose used to be very masculine back, you know. And, mm-hmm. So pantyhose are still masculine <laughs> if you uh put them on your head and rob a liquor store. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought this one like had super tight writing. There was yeah. a lot of like little Easter eggs, and like as I said, like uh, the show is really best, I think, when it's like roasting Star Trek and yeah. roasting the franchise, making like you know references, and, mm-hmm. like making funny references, and like mm-hmm. either explaining, explaining away, or just like having fun with what they've done in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I'm not like when they just add their own new stuff and like build new worlds and stuff here. I'm like, yeah, we don't really need that. We don't really need like a wacky new alien. Like, <laughs> it's funnier when they, you know, have like the Temerian say something funny in yeah. his coded language or something, instead mm-hmm. of like coming up with a new <laughs> funny alien who doesn't, uh, gums boimler, but doesn't eat him. Or... I do like the, uh, the, the, um, health, health aliens from that one. <laughs> you know, oh the, yeah. That, 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 that was pretty fun. They have the volcano, the, yeah, that the, su- the supercomputer and the telepathic baby. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, I, yeah, I like this episode a lot mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I'm also wondering if it's also establishing like we could be having Mariner could be having like a whole other adventure next season as well. Yeah. Right. She might be doing uh, the fucking, uh, lesbian archeology. Yeah. Yeah. Finding like <laughs> ancient dildos and trying them out. There we go. Dr. Aberdeen. Again, that's for our fanfic uh, page. That's, I mean, for (laughs) the personal fanfic I'll be thinking of later. Yes. Before washing my sheets. Um, You just got to lay some, lay a tarp down or something beforehand. Tarp, you say. A tarp. You have like a shop tarp. I can imagine. I'm saying saying that for you. I can imagine it gets pretty messy up there. I've got a fucking car cover for my bed that I need to put. Every time I fucking jerk off. 
It's going to get like an auto body shop in here with yeah. all the oils and shit. I mean, you, everywhere. I mean, you got lots of like cool electronics and stuff in here. You don't want, you don't want any of that on there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all that lube and it's stuff like on there. It's a wrap shop in here. <laughs> I smell like curing chemicals. That's weird. Um, yeah. But who do you got? Who do you think is, is uh, the secret um, people looking over Rutherford? There's at least three pips. Um, you know, I'm going to say it goes maybe all the way to the top because this is like 10 years ago and it's someone with three pips at that time. So I'm going to say it's maybe like someone who's an admiral now or someone, mm. something like that. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who knows? Hmm. Uh, you know, could always be Riker. That would be that would be a oh, crazy yeah. twist. And like, but there's like but there'll a, be a some good other, reason for yeah, it. Yeah, good reason for it. It has yeah. to be good because, I mean, they're never going to disparage Riker. No. Riker will never be a bad guy unless his name is Thomas. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, um, maybe it's Tom now. Thomas Riker. Uh, I think I did. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Bring uh, back Thomas Riker. Uh-huh. Yeah, who's like <laughs> pretending to be Riker again. Oh, yeah. He, ta- he dramatically takes off his, his um, sideburns. They're like, he did the sideburns again. <laughs> God, does he, he got, got us twice. We have this on record and he got us again. Man. Yeah. Damn, Tom. God good one. Damn it. Jesus Christ. He, can't believe you did it again <laughs> you motherfucker god I, I do love how like with all like the advanced you know prosthetics and like and facial augmentation they can do in the future like <laughs> you just went you just fucking like the dollar store sideburns dollar and, store sideburns you just got some sideburns like elvis sideburns he's like okay it's from, it's from a spirit halloween <laughs> <laughs> and they definitely don't look like real hair they just look like they just look like rug fur <laughs> it'd be great if it was like the, the elvis impersonator sunglasses with the sideburns <laughs> yeah. taped onto the side he right like, takes off his sunglasses and they're like <laughs> Wait a second, <laughs> Riker! I'm loving the glasses. I love how you never take them off. <laughs> I thought that was just a cool new look. What the fuck? Uh, yeah. Wait a minute, fake sideburns, <gasps> Thomas Riker. <laughs> yeah, iconic, iconic. I, I like how he, he fooled everyone on DS9. Yeah, I mean he is the you know he's genetically exactly the same as as uh, Will Riker. So oh, you bet he is. <laughs> <laughs> do you think his cum tastes the exact same or do you i mean that's well, diet it, it depends on diet yeah do you yeah. think they eat like similar things i mean i imagine as, as being the same person i mean also but, we'll but see at the same the... time like right like thomas Riker, like he couldn't have had like the the place the station he was like crapped on for seven or five years was fucking like dog shit yeah right and I mean, so he, he probably de- only he... had rations so he probably like he's like i, I can only I can only eat cold beans now. Everything else makes me nauseous. Yeah, he just likes, like, he just likes replicator, protein sticks. Make beans in a can. <laughs> cold. And then, and then he has like a small hovel that he gets into. <laughs> it's like he has like his fully furnished room, but he still climbs into the small he still climbs into the small he just, hovel he just, to eat his beans. He, he like goes into his quarters and immediately opens up the closet door and just crawls in. Yeah, he just closes behind him. <laughs> He's like, I should talk to a ship's therapist about this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess he I guess he would develop. Yeah, at a certain point, they do become drastically different people. Yeah, I mean, it's, we, it's five years. Yeah, but we do see, yeah, because like with the next episode, we see, you know, it has the same tastes. Mm. Same, same brain. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Want that shame, poor sure. <laughs> I got, I got 
all that same taste, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Dad? <laughs> Dad? Um... Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's uh, all the lower, that's all the new track we have for the week. Uh, do you want to do the Klingon word of the day? Sure. Klingon word of the day. Today's Klingon word of the day is S, which means to commit a crime. You could say that Neelix S when he dated Kess. That rhymes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He definitely <laughs> did. And if we want to conjugate, you could say Bess. I mean, as in like they committed a crime, like when or. But they being like Rick Berman and Michael Piller, when they're like, yeah, you know, the three-year-old thing, not really problematic. We no. can explain it. It's we fine. can explain it. You know, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Savick did the pond far with mm-hmm. like the four-hour-year-old Spock. So like. She ages in dog years. That's that's going to be. <laughs> that's the, <laughs> she's she's actually she's actually 21. Oh, right. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet when he has sex with her, uh, Neelix also imagines she is a dog. <laughs> oh, that, is, that's a good girl. That's a good girl, Mrs. Kess. <laughs> we Talaxians are libertarians. <laughs> we, 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 we believe that there is no age of consent. <laughs> You say it's a slippery slope. I say I'm climbing right up. <laughs> I say it's a nice, even field. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. All right. Well, well, now that I hate that, uh, you want to get into our uh, old episode of the week? Hell's fucking yeah. All right. Uh, we randomized the episode um, we we watched it for the week and it was I don't know three hundred something. Yeah, uh, ended up being a, a episode of Deep Space Nine. So yes, yeah. uh, let's let's get on to uh, Edge of the Alpha Quadrant. Deep Space Nine, Season 2, Episode 14, Whispers, first aired on February 6, 1994. This one is written by uh, Paul Coyle, who went on to be a writer for Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, and Xena, The Warrior Princess. Oh, shit. I love Xena. As well as Michael Pillar. Um, This one is directed by Les Landau, who's a fucking legendary uh, Trek director and has done 34 episodes of TNG, Mm -hmm. 14 of DS9. Nine of Voyager and one of Enterprise. So, in solid hands here. You ready nice. to get into this bad boy? Uh, yeah, I love this episode. Yeah, let's jump right in. We open on Miles O'Brien in the shuttle Rio Grande, going through the wormhole headed towards the Parada system. Miles opens a new file to record a personal log. O'Brien, personal log, start aid 475A1.2. Then he takes a long pause. 
<laughs> I've got to try to set the record straight about the last 52 hours. I don't know who's going to hear this. I don't even know if I'll be alive by the time this log is recovered. I figure they'll be coming after me. If I'm right about this whole thing, they won't want me to warn the Paradas. Mm. Yeah. Do you think um, they're like a designer kind of uh, species, <laughs> like Parada? The I mean, devil wears Parada. <laughs> I mean, they didn't look that fashionable when we actually fi- when we finally saw them. So I, those were the rebels. Okay, that was the rebels, and so they didn't look very fashionable. So I imagine the mm. rebels aren't very fashionable because they're rebelling against the fashion. Oh yeah. They're yeah. rebelling against the fashion police. Yeah, yeah. It's a rage against the machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, they're they're like you know, yeah, ACAB includes the fashion police. You're yeah. totally right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Security officers and the, the, the fashion police. If they just want to wear their featureless jumpsuits, let them, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> like, we can't all be Jake Cisco with that fucking no. style capital S. Yeah. I, I don't understand why you don't have an entire wardrobe of Jake Cisco fits. No. <laughs> I mean I don't wear color, but yeah, I would, yeah, I would you love wear all that. black. And also, I wear all black as well. So that's uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's because it hides the cum. It does. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I, I, I see you. It, 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 it no. amplifies it. No, yeah. You, <laughs> you look like you uh, You just like swam in salt water with those clothes on with all the cum stains. <laughs> Actually, I am. Usually after work, I am covered in like salt stains because I sweat so profusely. Salt stains, sure. Salt stains, yeah. Salt stains, I'm sure. going. I, I always go with that excuse. Yeah, you're like, I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, man, I spilled a bunch of salt water on myself in the bathroom. Jeez, guys. Well, jeez. Who put all the ocean water in the bathroom? <laughs> then I come out and like, can you believe how chunky this salt water is? I guess I got to wash it out now. Oh, oh no. Someone <laughs> spilled some, some roux on my pants. <laughs> How'd that happen? It's some really light roux. <laughs> no one suspects a thing. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Some, I got a miracle whip all over my pants in the bathroom, guys. <laughs> Um, it's last plate that's last time i eat my sandwich in there <laughs> i'm stop i'm not gonna eat the sandwich on the toilet anymore <laughs> yeah you will yeah i like i like multitasking i'm a big person that's into multitasking so. I mean, it's I, I call it sandwich in sandwich out <laughs> sandwich in, sandwich out. <laughs> you know when you're we we used we used to work in a kitchen together, and they yeah. always teach you first in, uh, first out. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. FIFO. Yeah. It's a, it's it's just rotating your food <laughs> on the toilet. You know, it's it makes sense. Yeah, it's the circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll go with that. Uh, so uh, back back uh, back on the Rio Grande with Miles O'Brien, he pauses and turning to the replicator, asks for apparently his favorite beverage: coffee, Jamaican blend, double strong, double sweet. Which I don't ever remember him being real into that. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's his drink of choice. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, what would your drink of choice be from the replicator? Oh, the replicator. Um, uh, replicator. Yeah, because you can have literally anything you want. Replicator. Diet Coke. 12 mm. ounce can. Cold. Oh, I like that. Uh, ice cold. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, I could. And plus, that wouldn't have any sort of like the the artificial sweeteners. It would just be, I guess, yeah, it'd all yeah, be artificial. Yeah, yeah everything. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, that would be pretty good. Yeah. How about how about you? What's uh... I think it's hard to say. I just drink black coffees, but I do mm. like black cold brew. Maybe black cold brew. Computer horse <laughs> come. 
<laughs> Room temperature, <laughs> piping hot, comes out bubbling. <laughs> Computer, horse semen in a coconut shell. <laughs> Boiling. I like a single perfume floating in a man's hat. A single plum floating in perfume in a man's hat. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> What was that they ordered in Airheads like a like a like a uh a football helmet filled with cottage cheese or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and nude photos of B. Arthur. Yeah, that was sick. <laughs> that, I I mean those are sick as hell. Yeah. I'd pay money for those. Yeah. That, that's what I that okay, that's my that's my replicator order. <laughs> nude photos of B. Arthur. F- football helmet filled with cottage cheese, <laughs> nude, nude photos of B. Arthur. <laughs> that, that's your beverage choice? That's, yeah. That's gonna be hard to drink <laughs> in a blender, lukewarm. <laughs> Extra large straw. Um that's what I call my fat uncle. <laughs> Extra large straw. Yeah, that's good. My last name Straw. Got him. Oh, Got him. Oh, Got him. man. Got him. Shit. Um, so, uh, O'Brien then continues with his log after getting his coffee. He says, I wish I could tell you who they are, but that's part of the puzzle I haven't figured out yet. Part of the puzzle. Hell, none of this whole damn thing makes any sense. I'm trying to remember the first time I noticed things were wrong. It seems to me it was, yeah, it had to be the first morning after I got back to the station. And he trails off. Next, we're in O'Brien's quarters, and he enters to Keiko and Molly having breakfast. He asks what they're doing up so early at 5.30 in the morning, and Keiko says she had a lot of work to catch up on at school, and she thought she'd get an early start. O'Brien orders his coffee, Jamaican blend, double strong, double sweet. Uh, Miles asks Molly if she had sweet dreams. She said no. I had double strong, double sweet dream. <laughs> <laughs> Molly, Molly, uh, and she tells him to go away. Yeah. Uh, she's just a bitch to him. And it's like, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, he asks if he gets his morning kiss. And she says, if you want your morning kiss, go listen to Strutter, you dumb fuck. <laughs> um, referencing the band kiss. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm kidding. They don't exist in the future. Everyone forgot. Yeah. About- Thank God. The moment Gene Simmons dies, everyone's going to forget about Kiss. Yeah, well, the moment when you abolish um, uh, merchandise, yeah, <laughs> merchandise, like yeah, they just die a slow death, like a slow. No. They're they're gone overnight <laughs> if they can't merchandise. <laughs> Kiss doesn't make music; they make merch. Like, yeah, it's surprising to me because I've never seen anyone with any sort of Kiss gear ever in my life. That's an interesting point. I mean, I have. But I've known mm. like I, I've known a Kiss family. Okay. Yeah. Mm. But they have like a, the Kiss casket and shit like that. <laughs> God, I would just I would I would just immediately send that into like they they wouldn't want to be cremated, but I'd, I'd cremate that coffin. <laughs> 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 just be like, nope. Yeah, you, just... you wouldn't cremate it. You just like set it on fire while they're trying to bury it. Like, <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck this thing. Yeah, it goes in the hole. I just. Dump it full of gasoline <laughs> and light a match. So, sir, it's made of plastic. <laughs> oh, God, no. Everybody run. The cancer. The air is noxious. <laughs> um, yeah. Ugh. Gross. Yeah, thank God there's no Kiss fans in the future. Oh, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so, Molly says no to the morning kiss. Um, so, Miles wonders out loud what he did to deserve that. And Keiko <laughs> says it's just a phase and it shouldn't bother him. Mm. So, apparently, she's turning goth, which is sick. Hells, yeah. 
Uh, Fuck you, Dad. I hate you. <laughs> I am Peter Murphy's my dad now. Uh, Kieko gets up to do the dishes. Do the dishes. Put them in the replicator. And Miles <laughs> asks uh, when she got to bed last night. And she tells him, uh, and he says he was asleep. Uh, he admits the trip back uh, really took a toll on him. Keiko asks what he was doing, and Miles says the Paratus had him go through basic training on the security measures they put in place for peace talks. He wishes Odo could have been there. Suddenly, Keiko says she better get going and just bounces out of nowhere. Miles says he'll drop Molly off at daycare and on the way to ops, but Keiko insists that Molly will go to school with her instead. Miles questions this, but Keiko says she wants to show her a new Vulcan learning program before taking off. And uh, Miles is like, at 5.30 in the morning? Plus, how old is, is Molly at this point? It's like free. Yeah. Damn. She's, she's going to start, they're going to start teaching her the bar <laughs> trivia from Star Trek yeah. 4. <clears throat> gonna, yeah, you got to learn that. got to be a, you know, future bar trivia masters of tomorrow. Hell yeah. Fucking <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's an Irish dad, so she's half Irish, so she's <laughs> going to spend a lot of time in a bar. <laughs> That's true. Um, oh, my God, she'll be perfect. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she will. Uh, I mean, she's half Asian, half Irish, so she'll just be, like, doing math and getting drunk. <laughs> so, over in the security office, Ensign DeCurtis is doing some repair work when the chief walks in. Dejected, O'Brien tells him he appreciates his bushy-tailed enthusiasm but was waiting until Odo returned from Bajor uh, before doing any repairs on his office. But the Ensign tells him he was told to do so by Commander Sisko himself and says to check with him. O'Brien is annoyed by this and says, I'll check with him all right before he departs. <laughs> it's like a threat. Yeah. Uh, as he walks through the promenade, he sees Sisko having a serious-looking conversation with Kieko and Hides, wondering what the mother fucking hell yeah. is going on here talk to my wife will you yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you trying to fuck kieko <laughs> i know she teaches your son but the way you talk to her looked like maybe you want to fuck her mm. captain commander yeah. rather so. i mean he is being overly paranoid at this point i think because like i mean like cisco talking to keiko wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility no not at all yeah um, but or she's just, just or acting just, weird, or it's just, or it's just revealing like um, his deep insecurity. Like deep insecurity. It's just like the, the, <laughs> this is the episode we learned that uh, O'Brien has borderline personality disorder. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, Kieko, I saw you talking to Cisco. If you fucked him, I'm gonna kill myself. I swear to God, Kieko, I'm gonna fucking kill myself if you talk. But she's talking to him again. I'm going to cut myself. Stop putting the I'm plates in the damn replicator. <laughs> <laughs> throws, a re throws a plate against the wall. Uh, yeah. The episode we didn't see. But no. O'Brien's a saint. He would never do anything like that. Sure. <laughs> the real O'Brien wouldn't. The real O'Brien. So back uh, after the credits, uh, back on the shuttlecraft, O'Brien is drinking his coffee, Jamaican style, double strong, <laughs> double sweet, and asking the computer how long it is until he gets to the Parada system. And it's 53 minutes away, uh, right next to the Burberry system. Uh, he has the computer scan for warp signatures on his heading and finds one ship following him. It's the Starfleet runabout, Mekong. Speaking to himself. You know what's funny? What's that? In Baltimore, I used to go to a restaurant. I don't know if it exists anymore. Called uh, Mekong Delta. 
Oh, interesting. I think yeah, that's a place in China or something, right? Yeah, is it? I don't know. No. Yeah, it was really it was really good food. More like but, uh, but that more like... Mekong Delta Quadrant. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. <laughs> more like more like my dong. Go got him. Yeah, I did get him. I got I got the Chinese there. Uh, uh, it's spe- Thai. I think it's Thailand. Fuck. <laughs> uh, speaking to himself, he says he figures and I'll wait for him to drop out of warp, and then they'll have to cross that bridge when they come to it, won't they? Mm-hmm. The computer doesn't understand his rhetorical question, so he continues his personal log. <clears throat> <laughs> okay, so it was all a little curious. But who could have guessed at the time? I mean, the way they were acting. They might have been trying to pull off one of those surprise parties that I can't stand. <laughs> Only my birthday's not till September. So, so he's a Virgo, you think? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm doing a str- do I want to do his chart. Yeah, you should. <laughs> you should uh I already uh, charted in my pants earlier. So. <laughs> we are, I already have one of those. <laughs> uh, so it says only my birthday's not until September and believe me as it turned out I had nothing else to celebrate. Damn. Right? <laughs> O'Brien arrives in ops. So grim. Right? Uh, O'Brien arrives in ops, and Julian Pashir comes up to him, saying he's been waiting for him, and there will be no more excuses this time. Do you think he was born September 11th? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But... Like, he was He was, He was. was due for, like, late September, but his parents are like, no, we want a C-section on this day. It's important <laughs> to us. Uh, so for some reason, I just made his parents Jewish, but that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it just happens to have an Irish accent. For yeah, he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm not really Irish." <laughs> oh, that was Scottish. That was Scottish. Yeah. yeah, Memory Alpha says born September twenty three, twenty eight. So we don't know the exact day. Oh, bummer. Damn. It was September eleventh. September eleventh. I, I think we're I think we're agreeing that he was born September. 11th. Oh, without a doubt. Twenty three. <laughs> so um, <laughs> he was born in celebration for the the, the two hundred and twenty. <laughs> 27th 300 oh 327th yeah. uh yeah anniversary <laughs> that's that's pretty cool yeah yeah what are you gonna be doing for the 327th anniversary of 9-11 i'll probably be dead oh yeah you're gonna be a rock dude <laughs> I'll, I'll probably just be dust oh yeah no at that point they're gonna be recycling people in the food i think you'll be oh yeah yeah you'll be part of someone else at that well point. i do want to be cremated yeah so hopefully i'm just like out in the wind or something yeah, because I can see like my, my you know, if not my body will be dug up and my bones will be used as like as like a helmet for a chief, for a war chieftain, <laughs> something like that. That are just roving the wastes, like the next like the next Lord Humongous. You've got big plans for your afterlife, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I do. I just, I just want to be a skull hat. You know, that's that's that's, that's my you've that's got, my end goal. You've got bigger plans for your dead desiccated body <laughs> than you do right now. I know. I'm just vibing right now. <laughs> just like relaxing all right um so excuses o'brien asks incredulously and bashir says he's to report to the medical office in one hour for his physical which he can't put off any longer Mm. o'brien protests saying it's not a good day but bashir says cisco already has him covered o'brien asks why he's going to the commander about a checkup uh, Bashir says, uh, starts to say something, but stops himself. O'Brien says, forget it. I've got something to do. 
Bashir insists, however, and says if he has to order him as his superior of- superior officer, he will. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, Sisko arrives, and Bashir reports to him that O'Brien is unavailable for his physical. Sisko orders him to make himself available as a full report on the senior staff is due in a week, and they've all had to do this. Mm-hmm. O'Brien <laughs> finally acquiesces and says he'll see Bashir in an hour, but asks to speak to Sisko before he leaves. What do you think is on that report? Who do they have to give it to? I imagine just like an admiral or something, just to see how the health and well-being of the senior staff is. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure it also probably includes some sort of like psychological profile as yeah. well. Um, do you think it has like an STI screening on there too? Oh, for sure. Oh yeah. Like every every time an admiral sees like. Riker's report, they're like, oh, this is going to be good. Yeah. It's just like, it's just like, what the I, fuck is that? They just lay down a whole stack of pads. <laughs> like this. Polio's been eradicated for 300 years and he got it in his dick. Like, yeah. <laughs> they just, they just like skip to the end and hit the mark is red button. Like, I'm not even bothering. Like, I don't need to know. <laughs> give me the, give me the too long. Don't read version. Is he cured of all of them? Are they still lingering? How many do you infect? <laughs> They're only a danger to him, sir. Yeah, they're only a danger to him. <laughs> we've we've contained them within him. <laughs> yes. he's, he's, there's a containment field outside of Riker. <laughs> it's just like he just has a walking force field that keeps him from actually touch hurting anybody. Uh, yeah. Hurting. <laughs> We're like squirting anybody. <laughs> All right. So um O'Brien finally acquiesces and says he'll see Bashir in an hour, but asks to speak to Sisko before he leaves. Uh, they walk into Sisko's office, and Sisko immediately says that Ensign DeCurtis mentioned that O'Brien was upset, and he has every right to be, and he apologized for assigning repairs before advising the chief. He says he dropped the ball on that one as he <laughs> shakes his ball. He says, dropped the ball and like <laughs> holds up his ball for emphasis and it's really funny. And then he puts down his baseball for emphasis and it's mm-hmm. really funny. Yes. Uh, Cisco says he went through O'Brien's report. He's, mm-hmm. he's definitely toying with him at this point. I feel it's oh, like, yes. Oh, I really dropped the ball. Just kind of like almost mocking him. So mm-hmm. yeah, they could have been a little bit more tactful. I think it would, <laughs> it would be funny. If he was like, <laughs> they, they really dropped the ball and he unzips his pants and just pulls out a scrotum. <laughs> <laughs> or he's he's intentionally like been keeping his his balls from dropping this entire life <laughs> just just so he can just so he can demonstrate it right in front of him. <laughs> so really drop the ball. Like, they really they really give me just a second, Chief. I gotta set something up. They really hold on, hold on, hold on. They really, oh, here we go, zip. They really dropped the ball on that one. Jesus Christ, he's, Commander. He's actively straining. It <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. doesn't happen at once. You just you slowly just see it just drop down. It's like, just, my God. Just one goes, poop. And he's like, Arr! How did you father Jake? I don't understand. <laughs> Uh, he's adopted. He's, he's, adopted. he's, he's actually Ferengi. Yeah. <laughs> Small ears. <laughs> um, 
So Cisco says he went through O'Brien's reports on the Paratus, and they seem unusually preoccupied on security protocols. O'Brien admits they seem a little paranoid, but reconciles that they would be too if they had been locked in a civil war for 12 years. Cisco sits and asks if he should know anything else about the Paratus, and O'Brien says it's pretty much all in his report. Cisco asks O'Brien to share something with him that's not in the report. Starfleet officers don't include in their reports that might help him in their peace negotiations. O'Brien says that he noticed the Paratus have an odor from some kind of skin secretions that changes with their moods. When they're upset, they can get pretty pungent. Cisco says he'll make sure not to upset them. But he doesn't say if it's a good smell or not. Like, it could be a great, like, yeah. smell. Like, You'd be like, mmm. Tastes like, smells like fried chicken or something. Cisco <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, then says that he'll try to keep O'Brien undistracted because he has a large project for him. All three upper pylons are down again, even though O'Brien went over the repair work on his return. O'Brien says it can't be too serious, and he'll get on the repairs right away. After your physical, insists Cisco. Mm. O'Brien agrees, but before leaving, asks why he was talking with Kieko earlier that day. Cisco says it's because Jake is having some issues with his grades. O'Brien says she's very fond of him, and she'll surely work hard to keep, help him. And then he leaves. Now, I, I think that O'Brien is like avoiding this physical because... Um, I mean, we know his relationship with Julian, right? And I don't know if it's developed at this point, but I, I think he doesn't want, you know, he's of that age where he gets the old waving finger. Yeah. You know, he, got, he, has to, he has to get checked for colon cancer, right? Yeah. So, I also imagine it's probably non-invasive at that point in the future. No, they still choose to. Doctors, <laughs> yeah, they still do, choose do, to. doctors like that part. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's why you become a proctologist. Yeah. It's because you like that part of the job. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, the the field of proctology just wouldn't be there. Like, no. if if there weren't doctors who were like, I want to stick my finger in a booty hole. Like, if if those doctors didn't exist, it would just be all urologists and fucking uh, foot doctors. I do think I, it does feel like the in the future, like it does seem like the doctors are all all of those um, vocations all in one. Yeah, they're just general physicians. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you never see a doctor. You never see and dentists either. I, I actually tweeted about that. You never see dentists or yeah. anyone who deals with eyesight except for like with Jordy, basically. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Even still, like, yeah, Jordy kind of also did a lot of his own things. and Didn't he? Or, I don't know. Yeah. He might have. Yeah. It's hard to say. Like, yeah, there's no opt- opt- optometrists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, of course, we get rid of dentists at some point because, oof. He wants to be a dentist, right? But we, but we didn't fold barbers back into the doctor profession, though. Because like, remember, the doctors used to, and barbers used to be like the same. Yeah, yeah, they did. <laughs> so yeah. we have a separate barber. You know, we have the we have that bullying barber on TNG. So. That's right. That's right. I always yeah. forget that they got haircuts on TNG. Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah, why not? That's like the only series they did, right? Yeah. Yeah. You never see you never see anyone else get their haircut. Yeah, I guess. you figure like they they have a. Th- a thing that does that at that point, right? Yeah. Like, well, the same with, yeah, I mean, but again, you know, it's just kind of like, as you said, like, you know, yeah, they just do the proctology exam. Oh, right. <laughs> just, 
because they can. Yeah, it's like there, there's only two <laughs> types of doctors in the future, general physicians and proctologists. Yeah, I have to also imagine like a, like a general checkup in, in, the, in, the, <clears throat> in Star Trek has it's to be. It's just scanning, right? Just scanning. They could, he could have literally done it right there. Yeah, and lots of their bio however, beds and stuff. Like they could just sit on it. However, he wanted to stick his finger up his booty hole. <laughs> he did, and, and grab his nuts. Right. Oh, he and he actually does that here. Yeah. We actually get to see him grab his nuts, which yeah. is great, and without a glove. Yeah, I mean, and then, and then didn't wash his hands. <laughs> yeah, one, one might say he really. Uh, wait, give me a sec here. Wait, wait, one more, one more. Zoop. <laughs> Dropped the balls. <laughs> that was, yeah, I was just like, okay, he's he's touching his balls and now touching his pad, not washing his hands, just touching everything. And then, like, I was just like, and, like every everyone leaves for the day, and he's just like Julian Bashir looks around and just slowly licks his pad. And he's like, oh, oh. they're like a senior officer ball sweat. <laughs> They start put. They put a black light over everything, and <laughs> the, 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 the med bay, and it's all just glowing. It's like my God, Julian Bashir just looks like God from Star Trek Five. The way he's glowing, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, level level five sanitation suite. Uh, <laughs> um. So, in med bay, O'Brien seems annoyed at his physical accusing Bashir of poking into every orifice of his body <laughs> and creating new ones, which I'm pretty sure Bashir was the bottom, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's hard to say. No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> Bashir asks if he's feeling anything strange, like dizziness, sleeping, lack of energy, or euphoria. He just went pretty much went through every single like side effect and prescription medicine that we have now. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. He's like, have I prescribed you anything? Um, that'd be amazing if like uh, Bashir was like getting paid off by like some Purdue Pharma people here in the future, and he's <laughs> yeah. just like prescribing all of DS Nine opiates, and everyone mm-hmm. just like gets dangerously addicted to fentanyl. <laughs> Odo just faints and dies. <laughs> he doesn't even get near it. Fucking Nog gets like hopelessly addicted to fentanyl and he's like smoking it out of a, out of a self-stealing symbol. And he's like, oh, I can't stop, Dad. I can't stop. That'd be the very special episode. He's like, I lost my leg and I just, they gave me the pain meds and now I can't stop. Um... So O'Brien says he has all of those things sarcastically, especially euphoria. Mm-hmm. He says, euphoria, euphoria. I have seasons one and two <laughs> on the Blu-ray Steelbook. I just love gay A24 shows. <laughs> yeah. Just like all Irish dads do. Yeah. Uh, but she asks about earaches or headaches. And O'Brien says he's getting a bad headache right now, referring to Bashir. Mm. And also... The excuse his wife used last night, which he didn't <laughs> want to fuck. Um, Bashir notes, short temper uh, flies off the hang- handle at any provocation. Perfectly normal behavior. Because <laughs> yeah. that is pretty normal for O'Brien. He's, yeah. He's he's an Irishman. Uh, you know what would have been great is if that Scorsese film, The Irishman, was just about Miles O'Brien. I agree. That would have been a much better film. <laughs> yeah, that movie is so funny. It's just like... <laughs> 
Like he's supposed to be playing at, at one point. He goes from his twenties. It starts off in like his twenties. I Dude, think. Dude, the de aging in the movie sucks. It does suck. It was so distracting because at one point he was trying to beat. He was like, he's like supposed to supposedly like I think in, in his early thirties at some point beating the shit out of somebody on the street. But, yeah, but the way he moves is so <laughs> funny and he's old. The, yeah, he still had like the seventy year old man gait and like and yeah. hunch. And so he's just like hobbling towards this guy. But this, like, this, this, uh, this other bunch of younger guys like flying all over the floor and like uh, like he's getting his ass kicked. He's supposed to beat up a guy and he's like, hey, put her there, put her there. <laughs> just put him up and gonna kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah, that yeah, that did get distracted. I, I would have loved it if he was played by a younger actor. Yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah, but, you know, we got to show off that de-aging technology. Uh, so Bashir tells O'Brien uh, his sense of humor seems to be fine. And uh, O'Brien says he doesn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> Julian then asks how his sex life is, and O'Brien says he doesn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> in one of the most amazing subtle jokes ever in Shrek. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought yeah. that was incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julian grabs his nuts, like actually grabs his nuts. I'm not making a joke here. Yeah, he grabs his balls. We don't, we don't actually get to see it, but I smelled it in, my, <laughs> in, in the pictures of my memory, mm-hmm. you know, in my mind palace. He does it twice. He he makes him cough twice. Yeah. yeah, he's like, "All right, cough." Well, let me try a finger on the ass. <laughs> cough. Well, that feels good too. All right. Mm. Well. <laughs> um. Then and then we see, as we just said, doesn't wash his hands. Goes right from the balls to the pad, and mm-hmm. then to the computer screen to the to his uh to his computer. Types mm-hmm. around. No, don't see him. Like, Was it a nice kiss? Yeah. Like so. <laughs> Julian asked O'Brien if everything is good in that department. And O'Brien says, that's none of Starfleet's business. Mm -hmm. So obviously, uh, Kieko is is dry as a grain solo. (laughs) Um, Bashir asks about his parents, and O'Brien excoriates him for not remembering him telling him about his mother's death two years ago and his father remarrying. Oh, of course, now I remember, says Bashir. Yeah. I'm subtly testing him. Yeah, I think, which is yeah. kind of dumb. Yeah. Bashir says he only has a couple more tests to run. O'Brien has had enough, though, and protests that he's never had a physical take this long unless he's dying. Then mm-hmm. he pauses and says, wait, that's it, isn't it? I mean, there is something wrong with me. Maybe that's why everybody seems so strange. Mm-hmm. In, like, it's an amazing moment of acting. Like, the way his face drops and he just, like, Mm. turns on a dime like Cole Meany really doesn't get enough credit for how fucking good he is yeah that dude rules yeah he's so fucking good um yeah and this I just love like I actually can't think of a bad O'Brien episode Mm -mm. there's some that are lack I mean like um fascination is not Mm. my favorite and Mm. I hate the O'Brien plot line in that that's when him and Kieko are arguing about her going back to Bajor for another six months or whatever. Mm-hmm. That that one, yeah. But, like, everything else. He's so fucking good. We love yeah. Cole Meany. He's mm-hmm. a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the everyman. And he, like, he's he's the, you know, he's the he's the manis that ties this entire <laughs> goddamn sandwich together. He's unstoppable. Absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's, he, he's like a genius engineer. He's mm-hmm. a combat veteran. And, it, well, I think it's not just that he's a genius engineer. Mm-hmm. Like... 
Because he has something that's like even greater than someone like Scotty or someone like Jordy, and that he has that fucking Protestant work ethic. <laughs> yeah. Like he mm-hmm. is, he tortures himself with work and he puts yeah. himself completely into work. That's all he cares about. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, that's why I like about like his, when he approached the character, he made sure that his character had rolled up sleeves. Yeah, to show that he was like you know the working man, working he's man, a working man, and he's yeah. a non commissioned officer because he's a working man. You yeah. know, he's only got that one funny pip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the goofy pip. Yeah, for the um, the I forget the name of what he is. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> um. So. Uh, after this awesome powerhouse acting performance, uh, Bashir interrupts him and tells him to relax and that he's actually got a clean bill of health and tells him he can get dressed. O'Brien smiles and leaves. Yeah, of course he smiles. He just grabbed a handful of... Yeah, and he's got all of his fucking like <laughs> nut juice for later. <laughs> yeah. He can give it a nice cuddle his pad in his bedroom. He, he seems like he wouldn't. He doesn't even realize it. He's just like that over familiar with everybody. Mm-hmm. And he probably just went straight to the straight to the to the uh, replicators and probably <laughs> like just got some nachos. It's like like, <laughs> like just eating <laughs> eating with his hands. It's like, like not even registering that. Oh yeah, I just literally had this on O'Brien's balls. Why like do they, Why cents. do these taste like potatoes? <laughs> Um, so walking through the promenade jake who is sitting next to a pack lid uh not having a conversation just sitting together yeah they're just sitting pock lids just like giving just staring off at him yeah we don't we don't see pock lids very much in the show which is uh you you do see them sometimes just like walking yeah exactly exactly. like they're never like characters they're like occasionally like you Mm -hmm. know just like extras which is kind of fun yeah so Jake, who's sitting next to Apocalypse, comes up to O'Brien and asks him for help. He says he's working on a subspace transceiver and can't seem to figure out how to get the crystal emitter to work. Sirach Lifton has no idea what to do with his hands in this scene and waves <laughs> them around wildly in front of him, and it's actually really funny. Yeah. It's almost as funny as, dropped the ball on that one. <laughs> um, so O'Brien admits he used to build devices just like that at Jake's age and said, says he'd be glad to help after they clear it with Keiko. Plus, he says, it'd be a good chance to get Jake's grades back up. But Jake says his grades are great. Mm-hmm. Bum, bum, bum. Big music cue to a concerned O'Brien face and uh, go to commercial, which I love when they do that. Like, all all old Trek does that, all the Rick Berman shows, and I love it. Yeah. Like, when something big happens and they go to commercial, it's always like, <laughs> But also he takes, he take, you know... He takes Jake at his word, like, Jake could be lying. That's true. Because Jake could just be like, oh, I'm embarrassed about my low grades. I'm just going to say, like, oh, no, my grades are great. Right. You know, he just, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to. That'd be, that'd be so fucking funny (laughs) if, like, eventually, like, he's, he's running away from the fucking DS9 and they're, like, shooting (laughs) at him and and everything. It's all a misunderstanding about Jake's grades. Jake Jake lied about his grades. He's like, fuck you, Commander Jake. You sons of goddamn liars. He's like he's like he's like he's like creating like another conflict with the piratas. He's like he's like shooting them out of the sky. He's, like he's, he's setting the self destruct on Tarek Nar. He's just yeah. like man, fuck this. Everyone's demented, and Jake, he's, he's just not like, even he's not I, even trying to escape. He's I'm just ashamed like, of my C minus. <laughs> yeah. Jake is like, okay, I did. I have a C minus. Please don't blow up the station. Uh, yeah, 
So, <laughs> mm, we're back with O'Brien after the commercial break, but there are no commercials anymore. So mm-hmm. I just paused the thing and jerked off for like six minutes. I was there. I saw. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought it was my first watch through, but it was my. <laughs> yeah. It was like my fourth, and you were there. I'm like, well. You did come out of a fugue state and be like, when did you get here? I'm like, I've been here for. <laughs> I've always been here. <laughs> I've always been here. <laughs> I actually live in this the weird crawl space area you have in your room. <laughs> well, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so uh, O'Brien's doing uh, his log again in the transport while working on something and says, quote, Cisco is telling the truth about one thing. The upper pylons had failed again. It didn't make any sense because the new pressure locks I had installed seemed to be working just fine. So it had to be an entirely new problem. I realized it wasn't going to be a quick matter to track down after all. And I couldn't help thinking how it was going to keep me occupied while the security arrangements for the Paratus were underway. Yeah. I mean, Paratus, they just mostly have the security tags, right? Yeah. Like the the security things on their door. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? That could have been more more intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're just seeing it through O'Brien's eyes, so he doesn't get to see all of it. We don't just... Oh, I was talking about Prada stores, not the Prada. Oh, Prada stores. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The double I've never, never been in a Prada store. Look at me. <laughs> you know, that's an amazing point. <laughs> <laughs> I basically... I, I, uh... I agree. <laughs> I, I look like I crawled out of a dumpster. Yeah, you, you look like you look like they'd call security to get you out of a Prada store. They maybe, would. But, <laughs> can you please leave right you, now? You, without you, a bus? You, you could come in there just waving cash in their face, and they'd be like, "Security, security, security, <laughs> security, security, security." Yeah, he's got Monopoly money, probably. <laughs> <laughs> they, just, they just take me out. <laughs> Just, just hit me with a trank dart and yeah. put, a, put a net around me and drag just me into the street. Put, put a collar on you, release you back into the wild. <laughs> He's good. We can release him to his fellow Sasquatch. <laughs> well, we're not sure exactly what he is, but he obviously doesn't belong in polite society. So, you know, we put a collar on him. We can track him. We know where he is. You know, we'll just make mm-hmm. sure he doesn't get into uh you know, any neighborhood dumpsters or any of the yeah, neighborhoods around you know, here. We're hoping he finds his kind and, yeah. and he can well, stay, stay, never come into a Prada store ever again. Well, it already looks like he can't go near elementary schools. But <laughs> <laughs> You'll find your habitat, boy. Don't worry. Uh, so walking through a corridor, O'Brien sees Ensign De Curtis and asks him how things are uh, going securing the Parada's quarters. The ensign is surprised to see O'Brien, asking if he wasn't busy with the upper pylons. O'Brien says he thought he'd take a break and check on the ensign's progress and asks him to open up the door so he can check. DeCurtis says it was sealed when the security measures were complete and only Major Kira has the access codes, which seems like a bad idea to only give one person access codes. Yeah. O'Brien calls to Kira and asks for the access codes to the Parada quarters. Cisco chimes in and asks what O'Brien is doing away from the pylons, and O'Brien says he spent the last week working through these arrangements for the Paradas, and he'd like to... But Cisco interrupts him and tells him to get back to the fucking upper pylon, so he does. He turns the corner, and DeCurtis enters the quarters, not knowing that O'Brien is hiding and watching. 
DeCurtis opens the door like two fucking seconds after O'Brien left within ear range. So O'Brien could definitely hear, hear him going, yeah. beep, 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 zoop, <laughs> door noise, like door yeah. closing that's noise. What, that's why he should have just looked at his pad for like five minutes afterwards and yeah, done just, a little. Just watch some weird porn, like read one of Jake's <laughs> weird fanfic stories about Major Kira. Yeah, like, or now he probably doesn't have his newspaper thing at this point. No, yeah, no. Uh, he starts his newspaper. I want to say like uh, it's during one of like the military conflicts because he goes yeah, and yeah. he he writes the war journalism. Yeah, he's like eighteen or something. Yeah, right yeah, point. that's right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think that's like season four or five. Mm. So, um, DeCurtis is an idiot. Like, yeah. <laughs> are you are you kidding me? You do it like that quickly? You fucking doofus. Have you ever yeah. learned to be like? inconspicuous Jesus Curtis Christ. is definitely a himbo so he doesn't know. oh true yeah. yeah he's just like he's just a big dumb himbo and they just like he got he's just like well okay he's gone I can't see him yeah, how like, do you make just... it to engineering he should be like a security officer hey, my name's <laughs> Curtis I like to I like to catch a bad guy yeah. put him in a bridge he did have cool hair he probably didn't want like um those he did, weird he did those... have like Chakotay hair yeah he didn't want those like weird football helmet things that oh, they this have. is very post football helmet yeah well, i think it still have them yeah well well oh, i guess like oh well, i guess also like odo runs the security on the on the yeah. on, on steve well, Space well, Nine odo runs it for bajor yeah which is really weird that they like let him because he was a cardassian collaborator yeah like why do they still <laughs> let him be a security officer after he openly collaborated with the cardassians they still give him a bajoran uniform yeah what the fuck? That is very odd. Right? Eh, maybe it just shows like, you know, he had, you know, he can, anyone can be redeemed. And he was. No, he's a fascist. <laughs> yeah. He, he doesn't get redeemed. He does bad things. He did. And yeah, and like he was like, yeah. And I mean, then he's just, a collaborator with the fucking Dominion. Yeah. Like he's not good. <laughs> Odo. Yeah. Odo, like on on the, the, the episode, The Ascent, uh, when fucking. Quark calls him a fascist on the mountain. Yeah, that was pretty That's cool. like the realest moment. Yeah. I fucking love that shit. <laughs> and like, Quark's a fucking capitalist. So for him yeah, to call Quark's someone a defi- fascist Quark's is definitely like, a libertarian. Oh, yeah. So he's definitely anti-authority, but Right, right. Like, if, if a libertarian <laughs> calls you a fascist, yeah. either they're like... Yeah, libertarians are just fascists, but don't realize Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they really are. They're just yeah. they're, libertarians are fascists who want legal weed. Yeah, that's like, exactly. That's basically, it. They're like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I like Ron Paul's ideas. I really couldn't tell you any of them, but he wants legal weed. Yeah. He wants legal weed. Did you watch that um, HBO documentary series, uh, The Anarchists? No, you told me about God, it. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's about fucking anarcho-capitalists, yeah. which are not real anarchists. No, they're just awful. Just awful people. But yeah, I don't want any hierarchies, but I do want the one thing mm-hmm. via currency that reinforces all of these hierarchies. <laughs> yeah. That needs to be the main thing. I want the hierarchies that I control. Yeah, right? I want I want the hierarchies uh that have no regulation whatsoever. Yeah. Those are the good hierarchies. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck, Ma- dude? I need to make sure that I'm exploiting someone. Yes. I, I, need, <laughs> and I, and I, need, I need less regulation to do that. Yes. Um, <laughs> like, I I need to do, how do I put this? Neelix things with my... <laughs> I'm, you see that elementary school over there? You know who Neelix is? Guy, yeah, there's the, the main guy. 
on that. Like, definitely got some very menacing, like, Neelix aura from him. Like, what guy? Uh, and and the anarchists, um, oh. the guy who the guy who um, organized their whole meetup in uh and uh, he's ugh. like he just seems skeevy to me. <laughs> like he does really bad things. Mm. They don't really touch on it too much. Uh, excuse me, Mister Vulcan. <laughs> what can you tell me about? Um, how do I put this? Transporting minors across <laughs> state lines. <laughs> um. So on the promenade, O'Brien is walking through, and Jake flags him down, but not with a real flag. No. Uh, asking if he got the correct inverter for the subspace transceiver. O'Brien asks where he got it, as he hasn't seen one like that since he was a kid. Jake said he replicated one based on a really, really old file he found. And O'Brien is like, really, really old? And <laughs>, laughs it off. Um O'Brien says Jake should come by after dinner so they can try to assemble all the pieces together. O'Brien suddenly asks Jake if anything unusual happened on the station while he was away in the Gamma Quadrant the week prior. From a walkway above suddenly, Kira yells at Jake, saying his father's been looking for him and is back in their quarters. Kira asks O'Brien if everything is under control. And O'Brien confirms it, but his expression turns sour as soon as he turns away. Yeah. Kira looks smoke, like a smoke show in this point. <laughs> I was actually going to say, say it. Say it. Because <laughs> I'm like, he's, he's going to say it. He mentioned it when we were watching the episode. There's no way he's not going to mention it. I don't know. I, I love Kira. I love uh, uh, not a visitor. Mm-hmm. It's like. Yeah. I, I'd like her to take a not a visit to my prostate, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Hey, yo. But I mean, she's still fucking fine, dude. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, her, Gates McFadden has aged really well. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know? Hit us up. Hell yeah. <laughs> you listen to this podcast, ladies? Like, Hit no. us up. <laughs> <laughs> That that menopause don't make me menopause. I go right ahead, baby. You know what I'm saying? What's up? Uh, so I hate myself. <laughs> uh, next, we're alone with O'Brien as he's working on the pylons. That's what I call masturbating. Uh, and giving his personal log, which I call masturbating. <laughs> he says, uh, I worked in the pylon controls for the better part of the day. Needle in a haystack wouldn't do this job justice. When I finally found the crack in the RF power conduit, I couldn't imagine how it could have occurred so deep in the system until someone, uh, unless someone had broken it deliberately. Mm. Sabotage, baby. Sabotage! Yeah, yeah. That song only exists in the Kelvin timeline. It does. We know that. We know that for sure. Something I was thinking about, people don't listen to music in Star Trek, unless it's being performed live, which is very strange to me. Um, Worf had that thing where he was just like, remember when he was like just like uh, <clears throat> staying on the Defiant and playing uh, Klingon opera at, at at full volume. I do vaguely, yes, okay, yeah, yeah that's yeah, true. He was he like like uh he he was uncomfortable on uh on yeah, Deep Space yeah. Nine, so he just so, was so like, they do, but like very rarely, mm-hmm. like uh in like head. Headphones, the only headphones that exist in all of Star Trek is the, like, one Uhura has, the one-ear headphone thing. Yeah. 
like no stereo sound or maybe or maybe those like airpods just get smaller and smaller and smaller so they're probably just like oh they could just be little dots that they put or or they could be rectal (laughs) i mean because sound is just vibration Mm. so you know they could they could engineer something you know maybe maybe take a little (laughs) boof boof a headphone and never have to (laughs) Put on headphones ever again. Yeah, that could be just like a leftover from like um, the the uh, genetic uh, genetic war thing. Like uh, they like you know, just all humans were at one point were genetically modified to have ears inside their buttholes, and so and that was just something that they couldn't get rid of. It's just like a lasting um, remnant of that. So interesting. Yeah, because in the, in the future <laughs> they uh, they don't have beer. But they have butt ears, which they call yeah. beer in the future. Yeah, that's what they call beer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> this is what took a very strange turn. <laughs> it's it's all been a strange turn, my friend. O'Brien walks back into his quarters, and Keiko is setting the table and asks him if he's had a hard day. Uh, he says, you can say that, but he's going to help Jake with a science project instead of resting. Which is weird because he said come over after dinner. Yeah. Uh, but this is before dinner. Mm. Uh, Keiko said that Cisco called and Jake won't be making it tonight because he's not feeling very well. Mm-hmm. So, okay, pause here. This is the future and everyone has comm systems in their quarters, mm. usually on their person. How could Jake not have told this to O'Brien himself? I think, like, in a certain, I think it's also still writing within, like, you know, parameters of nineties. Like, yeah. people have a, a yeah, that's what yeah, the home phone. Yeah, that's what you would do. You would like call the house and right. just be like, in oh, the, in the nineties, in the nineties, not the twenty three nineties. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, he would obviously just be like, call, go, boop, boop. yeah, just call O'Brien, be like, hey, I can't make it today. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, be like, hey, computer. Uh, page uh, Chief O'Brien mm-hmm. and tell him I can't make it. Something like that. It's it's just so weird. Yeah. Um. Well, also like they probably like um, ne- it needed to be Cisco because they he, he probably didn't trust uh Jake to he probably told Jake the truth at that point because Jake didn't know and well yeah because Jake then, does know later yeah. yeah and then he didn't want um Jake to like show his hand or something like during a call or something. Show it, probably because it was covered in cum, right? You didn't <laughs> yeah. say, don't don't show your hand. Like I yeah. know you just jerked off. Yeah, I mean, like b- they trust baby Molly initially first, which is crazy, which is insane. <laughs> like they, t- they 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 tell that they tell the truth to uh, we'll, Molly. We'll, we'll 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 get into that. Yeah, we'll get uh, into yeah. that. So <laughs> speaking of Molly, O'Brien asks where Molly is, and she's over at the Fredericksons spending the night. O'Brien then makes a face like, oh. Well, then it's time to fuck and <laughs> yeah. walks over to Keiko, embracing her from behind and yeah. getting his dick nice and fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, that rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a uh, uh, replicator, uh, replicate four lines of crushed up Viagra and Ritalin <laughs> together, baby. Oh, and two poppers. She's <laughs> <laughs> about to get weird, baby. She's about to get weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but Keiko isn't about this at all. Uh, no. She says they better eat while the food's still warm, which Miles says they can keep it warm in the replicator. Yeah, the food's always going to be warm. They can just like yeah. take it away and then mm-hmm. get it back piping He's hot. Like, but I can 
warm my dick up in your pussy. <laughs> and she's like, no, my pussy's closed. Put it. I just put it in the stew instead. That's <laughs> <laughs> your favorite. I mean, stew's got more meat than you do in your pants, Miles. Why don't you, why don't you just stick the stew in my pussy? Uh, Miles asks Keiko what's wrong. And she says there's nothing wrong. She just isn't in the mood to fuck. Brian accepts it, and they eat, but he doesn't eat her pussy. Kiko has made... I just want to say, it was like, you know, just get my, but like, I just want to say, they, 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 they give Keiko a really large assignment right here. Yeah. <laughs> where it's just like, where, like, she could be in physical danger. Right. And... Not I only mean, is could, it, not could only, she though? Like, I mean, well, they don't know what what like they don't know. That's true, and um, they don't know that he's ex- you know. Well, you you're you're gonna spoil it. No yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spoil, but I'm stop, just saying, stop stop it. <laughs> just saying, he could potentially be a danger to her, and they're just like, just 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 do Mo- what it, Molly will save her. Molly knows too. Yeah, so, yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, so uh, Kiko has made frickin' stew. Which O'Brien knows Keiko hates, but she thought he'd appreciate one of his favorite foods after he had to suffer so much bad food on his away mission. Mm-hmm. Keiko just eats an endive salad, and O'Brien asks if she's not having any, to which she responds, she had a late lunch. <laughs> O'Brien is tensely about to eat the stew, but decides not to. Because it looks gross yeah, as fuck. It looks like fucking dog shit. It looks like... <laughs> They just like cubed up beef and potatoes and dumped brown paint. I, on I it. could barely see potatoes, and I just saw like maybe like little white specks that were potatoes, but they just completely dissolved mm-hmm. <laughs> into like they were probably chunks at one point, and then just like dissolved. Yeah, into, it looked like stew gum. that you like make in a crock pot, and you leave it a little too long. And yeah, then you leave it in the fridge for a week, and then you like microwave. Then you add a, then you add a can of dog food to it, <laughs> <laughs> and then. And then you digest it and eat that. That's what it looks like. It just looks like shit. I mean, it's ringing the dinner bell. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. From from Star Trek V, they got the dinner bell. And just like ringing that dinner bell. We got the ass beans. We got the ass beans. ass beans? We got the ass stew now. Ding, ding, ding. Ass stew and marshmallows. Yeah, but marshmallow, that just made me really sad for him because that's his favorite meal and it just looked absolutely dreadful. <laughs> like it's just like he's he's just like he's just like punishing himself over and over again. It's like it's like must suffer. I mean, yeah, it, it is. I mean, he's, he's it's not, his self-flagellation through through <laughs> cuisine. <laughs> I mean, he's no longer Catholic, you know. Like you know, you know, Catholicism's probably been long dead. But God, we hope so. God, we hope so. But he still has that Catholic guilt, that yeah. Irish, that Irish Catholic guilt. He's that, like, well, if we <laughs> if we got no more troubles, I'll make some of my own. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll eat this sad stew, make myself sad. Oh God, he needs salt. No, no salt for you, O'Brien. <laughs> no vegetables at all. Just, just like overboiled carrots and potatoes that are in the stew. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> somehow it like goes in less solid than it comes out. <laughs> um, well, yeah, all those potatoes that have dissolved, they just like recombine inside your intestines, and just, <laughs> just, just become a solid brick, <laughs> laying <laughs> eggs that are just yeah. solid potato starch. <laughs> so, um, 
Brian decides to not eat the disgusting stew, and uh, instead he gives us a snippet of his personal log. He says, I don't know if there was anything wrong with the stew or not, except it looked like fucking <laughs> shit. When I went back <laughs> <Yeah>. to, <laughs> later to there check. There was nothing wrong with that stew? All yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, when I went back later to check, she'd already put it into the disposal. But all I could think of as I looked at her was this is not my Kiko. Now, now, another thing, too, they made a huge thing of the stew. Like, she made a fucking, like, pot of the stew. That was a huge amount. For just him. Yeah. For just him. And instead, she had she had it on a serving dish and had him serve it up onto his own plate. And I'm like, she could have just made him a fucking plate, of, a bowl of stew. I don't know. Like, she made mm-hmm. it for one person. Mm-hmm. Molly's away. She replicated it, so it came out instantly. Mm-hmm. Like, how... What what are you doing, lady? Yeah. What are you doing? And, like, also, you made his favorite food in the replicator. You could have made a meal for yourself instead of just a fucking salad. Yeah, just to, like, just to like you know, calm his, little, his paranoia. Just, like, had, like, you know, some sort of sandwich. Like, replicate a sandwich for him that could have possibly been drugged or something. Mm. Whatever they were trying to, they could have been doing. Because it never answers if That's true. there was anything actually wrong with the stew. If it That's was true, and um, but if they were trying to do something with the stew, like they could have just replicated him a sandwich separately, and then said like, "Oh, another sandwich." Uh, you know, it'd be great is if uh, what was wrong with the stew is it was uh, stewy from uh, <laughs> from from Family Guy, and he's like trying to eat the stew, but the stew's like, "Ooh, I want to kill you, Lois. I'm also a gay baby." You know, that would have been. I wouldn't want to eat that. No, I, I, I wouldn't want to eat a gay baby either. No. No, that away from especially me. if it's trying to murder its mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, oh, this this taste, like, hmm, he eats it and like, this doesn't taste funny. Keiko's <laughs> <laughs> like, does that taste funny to you? And he's like, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Never was. Never was. <laughs> I want to kill you, Kiko. <laughs> uh, also, I'm a gay baby Irishman. Uh, back on the Rio Grande, O'Brien has the computer open his personal log and play back the last sentence uh, and considers that it was not his Kiko saying, you're right, she wasn't. Continue log. <laughs> like, that's weird, man. Mm-hmm. You're talking to your log. Like, what, what yeah. are you doing? Uh, he says, I didn't get much sleep la- that night. I waited for Kiko, or whoever she was, to go to bed, and I started my search. I had no idea what I was looking for. Something odd? Something quite normal? Anything to explain what might be going on. But my wife's butthole looked perfectly <laughs> normal. <laughs> um wouldn't it be great if she was just, like, cheating on him while he was gone? Yeah. And, like, planning a divorce? <laughs> She's like, yeah, Molly's away and just, like, pushes some papers in front of him. She, she doesn't actually know the secret. <laughs> like, she's just, she's also, just coincidentally, she's also planning a divorce. She, she accidentally only serves divorce papers to the, not to the real O'Brien. Yeah. Yeah, she. Yeah, she. That's a thing. Like she gave, she gives the divorce papers to the not real O'Brien, and then like, uh, so, so he doesn't know. Comes back, he's like, "Hey, that's why Molly hates him." Is yeah, just, she's like, "That's not your real dad anymore." <laughs> anymore. I'm taking custody. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, the computer completes its scan, 
and announces no unknown microorganisms detected. O'Brien continues to go through station sensor records, checking for unknown chemical agents, subharmonic transmissions, unusual neural wave patterns, and telepathic ability, but all return a negative result. O'Brien then asks the computer to display the vessel arrival logs in an attempt to locate something unusual, but again, nothing. Confused, O'Brien replicates another cup of coffee, Jamaican blend, double strong, double sweet, and says to himself, you're drinking too much of this, O'Brien. You need to stay alert, <laughs> O'Brien, which is like he's really losing it at this point. So did you think like the, the coffee would eventually have some sort of payoff? Because he orders about five coffees, I think, during the course of this. Uh, so according to uh, Iris Stephen Bear on this episode, there was a payoff, and uh, he spent um, two deleted scenes shitting out his entire ass, <laughs> um, just like spraying overcooked potatoes <laughs> all over the inside of a brig oh toilet because oh he couldn't get to his uh, – his home toilet. Yeah. Oh my enough. God. Like, yeah, just that stew and then black sugary coffee. Like it's <laughs> a recipe for disaster in an, in an Irishman's stomach. Yeah. <laughs> Emer- computer emergency transport. Oh. bathroom level five. <laughs> oh, this is the troubles. All right. <laughs> but I deserve this. <laughs> I deserve this. Um, so, uh, O'Brien then orders the computers to play back the logs of all officers on the station. It takes time for the computer to play through all the logs of the senior officers, but nothing seems out of the ordinary. That is, until the computer comes to a log, which is inaccessible. But I did like uh, Kira's log, where she's just like screaming yeah. <laughs> at, 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 while doing her log. She's just like mad about, about uh, her day. Yeah. I just love that part. <laughs> we love Kira. She's mm-hmm. such a mad, bad bitch. Mm-hmm. So it seems all logs from the time O'Brien returned to the station are restricted to level one access only and won't accept his level one access codes. Arriving in ops, O'Brien heads for the operations pit, but before he can, he's interrupted by Ensign DeCurtis, who offers his help with any repairs he may be making. O'Brien politely declines his help, explaining that he is trying to get the upper pylons working by morning, which DeCurtis accepts, saying O'Brien is an inspiration to us all, which... That was the most realistic bit of dialogue in the entire episode. Mm-hmm. He is. Uh, he is. Yeah. He's selfless. He's honest. He's a hardworking family man. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful son of a bitch we have. <laughs> he goes through the weirdest, most awful space problems in the world and still has like that just like, you know what? I'm going to wake up every day and give it my all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his ball sweat is all over the doctor's pad. Yeah. Pretty sure pretty sure pints at the pub are the only thing keeping his sanity. <laughs> I think if they took that away from him. Oh, I think, also uh, doing the historical reenactments and topping Julian Bashir. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think if you took away, I think if you took away his pints in some way, mm-hmm. if he lost that. I think that would have been like the the episode where we actually watch him lose his mind. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like where he pulls the trigger on the, <laughs> on, the, on, the on the phaser under his chin. Yeah, yeah. He finally he starts seeing like his <laughs> cellmate again from that episode. Yeah, yeah. It's like not oh not again. He's back. Ah, uh, damn it. God damn it. <laughs> um. So, O'Brien oh, continues his uh, personal log, saying there were several traps laid into the computer subroutine. No doubt to let someone know if I'd penetrated their security lockout. 
but I wasn't fooled for a minute and release the protected files without any problem. Joke's on them. No one ever knows when an Irishman penetrates. <laughs> I just made up that last part. <laughs> the old Irish curse. Uh, O'Brien suspiciously makes his way back to his quarters, making certain that nobody is following him, continuing his log. What I found in those hidden logs didn't answer all my questions, but it sure as hell confirmed what I'd been afraid of. They were analyzing and reanalyzing everything I'd put in, into my report about uh, Paradian security. They even broke into my personal logs to see what they could find in there. I hope they enjoyed reading the sexy letters to my wife. <laughs> Hold up. Pause. We need these letters. Yes. Um, if anyone involved in Star Trek is listening to this, uh, hashtag release the O'Brien sexts. You uh, hear about how, like, uh, I guess hackers hacked Assad's um, email. Mm-hmm. And then, and then that's what they found. All they found were just like him, just being like they're trying to find some dirt on him. But all they found was just like him, just trading like these these uh, messages with his wife about how much they love each other. That's really <laughs> kind of awesome. Yeah, was really- I mean, Assad's a real piece of shit, but that's <laughs> dope as hell. Yeah, that's funny. Um, <laughs> so um, we need the O'Brien sex. Yes. Uh, I want to read like how he talks about plowing his wife in letters. Like who has letters in the, that's so weird. Yeah. I, yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. He's, he's writing love. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and he's only gone for three weeks. Yeah. And they've been married for how long at this point? 10 years. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, take. sexting, whatever. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. And also how does, how does subspace transmission work? through a wormhole that's what i was also wondering because like um i was wondering how the parada system is sending messages to deep space nine it has to be like through the wormhole or they have to have like some kind of relay like right outside the wormhole that can send it i don't know i don't even know yeah yeah um so uh o'brien continues um there were several entries by cisco about secured messages from the parada system but no indication what those messages were about Maybe they were afraid I'd get into their files, even with a security lockout. Smart people. Mm-hmm. At one of the station's airlocks, a Bajoran transport is just docked. Several passengers begin to disembark with Odo among them. O'Brien is like, I need to talk to you. And Odo says, oh, good to see you too, which is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. O'Brien takes Odo to the side and explains his suspicions about the crew, but also the fact that he can't tell Starfleet his wife isn't seeming like herself and Cisco's been making decisions without him, because that's not a real complaint. Odo tells him to do nothing while he investigates, and if they get some solid proof, they can go to Starfleet and the Bajoran authorities together. O'Brien says he's glad Odo is back, and Odo commits to getting to the bottom of this matter. But we all know Julian is at the bottom of this matter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also... Carrot wondering if you think like Odo knows at this point or he hasn't been been informed. Well, he knows at some point here. I mean, yeah. at some point between. But I'm wondering this, if, he's, if he yeah. if he if he at this point he was genuine genuinely um, going to investigate the matter, or if he was if at this point he at that from the start he's like just humoring uh, O'Brien. It's a good question. I, I imagine he isn't aware because they know O'Brien could be like listening to whatever yeah. mm-hmm. co- uh, messages come out. Yeah, bingo. Yeah, I can see that. Yes, yeah, so they probably need like yeah, like a uh, radio silence. Hell yeah. 
Um, that's uh, what I call it when I watch the um, Cuba Gooding Jr. movie about the uh, the special football player on mm-hmm. Butte. <laughs> oh, Radio Silence. Oh, yeah, Radio Silence. Yes. <laughs> Is that a good movie? I never watched it. Um, If you like um, special needs football, no, no, it's not very good. good. <laughs> <laughs> not very good no matter what you like. Um, I mean, it's it's no boat <clears throat> trip, but, you know, yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr. can only make one boat trip ever. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you reach, you reach to the, you got to, you got to the top, and once you get to the top, the only way places down is down. Yeah, yeah. Get that, get to that boat trip, and yeah, where else is there to go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> so, um, O'Brien enters his quarters, giving another personal log. He says, "I felt better than I had for a long time. I finally had an ally. Now all I had to do was wait." I like to think I'm a man with many talents, but waiting isn't one of them. <laughs> I had to cover my bets, prepare myself for whatever might happen next. I still had a few tricks up my sleeve, yeah. which is quite literal. Yeah, I'm making o- an IED. Yeah. O'Brien <laughs> opens up his toolkit and takes out several small pieces from it. After assembling them all together, he places a device behind his uniform sleeve. O'Brien is now sitting on the upper level of Quark's, watching everyone walk by and waiting for something to happen. Quark then interrupts his thoughts, saying, The odds are against you, O'Brien. The chief, thinking that Quark might know something about what's going on, grabs the Ferengi by his collar and demands to know what he means by it. It turns out Quark was simply referring to the racquetball rematch scheduled with him and Bashir for next week. Hearing this, the chief realizes he made a mistake and lets Quark go. Quark then asks for information on the Paradis, explaining, it's always good business to know about new customers before they walk in your door. Mm. O'Brien asks what rule of acquisition that is, and Quark laughs and says, oh, one of the high numbers, 194, I think, Mm -hmm. in just a master class of acting. Like, fucking, Quark is only in this episode for like 45 seconds, Mm -hmm. and he completely kills the he's so fucking good armin shimmerman is so amazing in this role yeah. he's transformative i i love quark he's one of my favorite characters yeah he's he's straight up one of my favorite characters in any media ever yeah. he's so perfect <laughs> uh anyways the uh, but you definitely know that they did not tell quark <laughs> oh no no one gives a fuck about quark they trust they trust molly oh yeah a three-year-old with more sensitive information than they do quark well because you know like some you can buy it off of Quark. Yeah, you can buy yeah. anything off of Quark, including information. Oh yeah, and Quark would be like, "Well, yeah," he, <laughs> and he said he would sell that information to anybody. Mm-hmm. Probably yeah. just right back to O'Brien, or he would instantly be like, "Hmm, cloning technology." <laughs> <laughs> he just instantly go for a way for he's like, he's for him like, to make money off of it. Double the Dabo girls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> double Umox. Mm. Um, one for each year. Uh, so anyways, um, O'Brien tells Quark to find his information elsewhere, just as Odo pages him to the security office. In his office, Odo asks O'Brien what he knows about the Paradin rebels, as it looks as if the secret communication messages he found were in fact the rebels, a direct breach of the agreement they had with the Paradian government. O'Brien immediately suggests they cancel the talks, but Odo disagrees, prompting the chief to suspect he's been compromised as well. Bum, bum, bum. Uh-oh. Before he can do anything, Sisko and Kira, both armed with phasers, and Bashir, armed with some hypo spray, enter 
an attempt to take O'Brien into custody. But Mr. O'Brien, he has other fucking plans. Taking the improvised device from his sleeve, he throws it on the floor, where it explodes with an intense flash, stunning everybody in the room. Grabbing Kiro's weapon, he stuns the two security guards on the promenade, but I like to believe he killed them. Yeah, He's so fucking sick. <laughs> and he escapes through the corridors. <clears throat> in the corridor, uh, O'Brien orders the computer to lock onto his comm badge and initiate an emergency transport to the Rio Grande, but the computer denies this request. Throwing his comm badge to the floor, O'Brien uh, continues to run down the corridor, but is soon stopped by force fields. Realizing that he can't take him down, he does the exact opposite and raises all the force fields on the station, prompting Cisco to have to disable them all, which is very clever. Yeah. Uh, still on his way to a runabout, O'Brien bumps into Jake. He tries to explain what's happening, but Jake has been compromised as well and calls for security and tells O'Brien he'll be fine if he surrenders and then runs away. Knowing he can't make his way through the corridors, O'Brien crawls into one of the access conduits into a Jeffrey's tube, just as Odo's security team arrives. <laughs> <clears throat> Odo manages manages to make it to a ladder uh, in the crawl space and begins to. Oh, I'm sorry. O'Brien manages to make it to a ladder in a crawl space and begins to climb higher and higher. The climb wears him out, and he soon drops his phaser down the tube. He eventually makes it to his destination, the cargo bay, where he uses the cargo transporter to beam himself to the runabout. After disengaging the docking clamps, Cisco appears on the comm channel and orders O'Brien to stand down, but he has no intention of doing so. With the tractor beam sabotage and the mooring clamps fully disengaged, O'Brien takes off, and Cisco opens fire on the runabout, reducing shield strength significantly. Uh, it's interesting to note here... Um, the DS9 is actually using green lasers here, which are traditionally mm. only uh, Romulan and Cardassian. Mm -hmm. um, and by the next season, apparently, uh, it was using uh, standard um, uh, Federation-type phasers. Mm -hmm. That's that's an interesting thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, with some quick rerouting of the emergency life support power, the shield strength quickly increases, and O'Brien escapes the range of Deep Space Nine in the runabout. He immediately opens a subspace channel to Admiral Rollman at Starbase forty one, or sorry, four hundred one, to inform her of the situation. But she doesn't seem to accept what he's saying, and orders him back to the station. Uh, interestingly, Admiral Rollman here was played by the lady who was uh, Catherine Janeway's body double for the entirety of Voyager. It's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. So she she was a stunt woman. Yeah. No, she was just like the person, the placeholder. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I always, always like that when um, and uh, and uh, TNG like sometimes when they would use data like a, a placeholder for data, especially when you oh, know, yeah. Brent Spiner was playing against Brent Spiner. Yeah, like, they, you could always tell like the it was a different data. Yeah, it was just slightly different hair. Yeah, the back. You know? Yeah, yeah. I never, never noticed <clears throat> a, a Janeway double before. Yeah, um, me neither. Really. I mean, yeah, she. Yeah, she was really good. <laughs> mm -hmm. no. Really good body double. So O'Brien terminates the communication upon hearing the order to come back to the station and uh, says into his log, it seemed almost unbelievable to me. Had someone or something started to infiltrate all of Starfleet? <laughs> Laying in a new course, O'Brien takes the ship through the wormhole on a hitting for the Parada system. 
With just one minute until he gets to the system, O'Brien replicates himself another cup of coffee, Jamaican blend, double strong, double sweet, as he formulates his plan to escape with the Mekong. With the Parada 4 being the largest plan in the system, O'Brien decides to head there and so adjusts his course. A few seconds later, the runabout enters range. O'Brien instructs the computer to reduce speed to allow the Mekong to catch up, but after a few seconds, engages full impulse and swings into orbit of a nearby moon, shutting down all power systems on the ship to avoid detection. Uh, the pursuing Mekong soon gives up and heads off on a new course for Parada 2, where its crew beams down to the surface. O'Brien, armed with a phaser now, follows. O'Brien beams into some underground caves. Scanning the local area, he notices a doorway. He opens it to find Sisko and Kira meeting with two Paradin rebels. Sisko tries to negotiate with O'Brien, saying it's not as it seems, but O'Brien isn't having it. One of the rebels, Kuutu, tells him that all the answers he needs are behind another door, and all he has to do is open it but he isn't buying it. Kira insists they are not the enemy, but before they can negotiate any further, another Paradon shoots a bolt of energy at O'Brien, knocking him to the ground, mortally wounding him. It's the only way you're going to get him. Mm-hmm. On, get him by surprise. Mm-hmm. Krotu opens the doorway he pointed to before, and Bashir rushes out with a medical kit in hand. Inside, another Miles O'Brien is what? lying in bed like <laughs> like he's like what the fuck mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so Dr. Bashir tries his best to treat uh, the O'Brien on the floor while the other O'Brien approaches him amazed at the accuracy of the copy as Cisco and Kutu explain the real O'Brien had been kidnapped and replaced with a replicant version who had been programmed to disrupt the peace talks. <coughs> Bashir goes on to say how the copy was indistinguishable from the real thing. He recounts how the copy had passed a physical with flying covers and certainly knew his way around the station. Kutu wonders why the replicant was returning to the planet, and O'Brien suggests that if he knew something was wrong in the station, he'd try to warn someone. Sisko notes that in a strange way. The replicant was trying to save the day and be a hero. With the replicant version dying rapidly, it holds out its arm to the real O'Brien and says just one thing. Keiko, tell her I love. And then he dies. So sad. (laughs) Which has got to be the most fucked up, savage thing Star Trek has ever done. It is so crazy. Like, give give a, um, a, a clone all the memories and thus like the feelings of love mm-hmm. for a woman who will not love him back. Yeah. And then, but he remembers loving and remembers being loved by, and then saying like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It would actually been, it was actually pretty. It's like they should, he needed to be put down. I guess it's something because yeah. Like, like, what living, are they going to li- do with the living would have been, well, I, I think he could have, he could have gone like the um, Tom Riker route. Oh, and join the Maquis. No, he could have just done his own thing. And I think he like could joining have, the Maquis. Yeah, he could have joined the Maquis. But he could have um, 
Or he could have just been like, hey, I'm a bachelor. I'm a bachelor now. And he could have changed his name to Styles O'Brien. And just been been like this really cool, really cool dude who just like has his own like warp capable ship and just goes around. You know, man, you're not Miles O'Lion. Hey, (laughs) Miles O'Lion. But I I love also love that part because they're just having an exposition dump while he dies. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, don't don't treat him. Yeah. And and like Bashir was just like looking up and like uh, um, doing like the um, participating in the conversation rather than do any sort of emergency thing to save replicant miles life. And like, even though he was like a replicant, like he still had like sentience. Mm-hmm. He still had feelings. He, I mean, he was a perfect, a perfect clone. Like, yeah, he would have loved to live. Right. <laughs> would have loved to have been miles O'Brien. Yeah. Would have been miles O'Brien, which I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ethics there, but I mean, he was shot by the other guy who was yeah. a rebel from an opposing army. So it was kind of a casualty of war, but he didn't yeah. know who he was and he thought he was in Starfleet. Yeah. I don't know. So there's there's a lot of I mean it's it's, it's definitely a, a mind fuck episode. Yeah, it's a mind fuck episode. It's a huge ethical gray area. Uh, and yeah, that that's the end of the episode. By the way, what do you think? What do you think? What'd oh, you think? I, yeah, I definitely love this episode. Mm-hmm. Me too. Like, um, uh, it's definitely one of my favorites. And of course, it's like inspired by um, you know Philip K. Dick story mm-hmm. Imposter. Yep. Which you know I love Philip K. Dick. He's an amazing writer. And um, yeah, I just I I do I do like the um the feelings of like paranoia you get because you really don't know what's happening. Like yeah. during your first watch, you're right. like, like what is happening? And like you are, and it is like, you do feel um, a little frustrated um, along with miles because it does seem like something's happening, but nothing too sinister. Right. Right. Like because nothing you can really put your finger on. Yeah. Because there are, um, because more, they are acting more or less like normal. Everyone on the, on the ship, just like, just a little like, shitty with him yeah that'd be and, amazing if like fucking miles o'brien uh like calls up like a starfleet admiral and he's like all right you need to listen to me i can only say this once i think they're watching me my wife doesn't want to fuck and she made she made this weird <laughs> stew that she hates yeah can you send someone to help like, yeah. like i know imagine like if, if this if because i mean that would have that's this is obviously since he is is miles in kind of every single way you know like they copied his brain onto this thing like imagine like the real miles having this sort of like massive breakdown like one day one day his wife's just having a bad day (laughs) she's just like and she's just like is like really not in the mood or just like you know but still wants to make him happy makes him his favorite meal even though she fucking hates it right and then so like, there's a breakdown and like steals a runabout yeah. <laughs> it's like imagine like your girlfriend doesn't like order the pizza you like so you go steal someone's car <laughs> like, yeah. what, what are you doing drive it through a 7-eleven <laughs> and then light it on fire yeah. it's like you don't understand she she, she ordered the wrong pizza <laughs> that that bitch yeah uh yeah, like I love this episode. This one's a ten out of ten for me. Oh, this yeah. is a, this is one of the few episodes of Trek I think is like perfect. Mm-hmm. It it works with the world perfectly. It is its own self contained contained story perfectly. Yeah, the acting is a fucking masterclass, mm-hmm. uh, including dropping the ball. Yeah, we, I, I love everything about the oh, yeah. overacting there. It's it's all good. Mm-hmm. It, it was just I love this episode. I love Miles O'Brien. Oh yeah, yeah, he's awesome. He's an amazing character. We all love him. Like, uh, yeah, the, I love it too. Like, the only thing I, I mean, I, I don't like the exposition dump as he's dying. I, I do. 
I do. Go fuck like, yourself. Like, okay. uh, I feel like they probably would have, like, would have tried to save his life because they didn't want to want him to die. Yeah, that'd be great like, if they were they, actively like, trying to save him. Not, they can't have, like, two Miles O'Brien's. That'd be great no. if they, like, went with a Miles O'Brien and they renamed the other one Kilometers O'Brien. <laughs> yeah, Kilometers O'Brien. It's just the, like, the, yeah. Yeah, the he's, he's, he's like the French version of Miles O'Brien. <laughs> I actually think like Miles would love another him. Like he would just have somebody to do all the things that he loves. It's like the French version who's like very loss affair. He's like, oh, I don't want to work. No, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a good. No, they would just they would go uh, kayaking together. They would they would go get pints at Quarks, and uh, mm-hmm. they would just be like the best of friends. I don't know, but, but uh, Kilometers O'Brien wouldn't get pints. He'd get, like, limoncello or something shit. Like, yeah. Some he's, like, he's an evil, sinister one. Yes. And then, like, yeah, they just kind of wrap him into the fold and then but forget to take away his, like, his um his assassin <laughs> conditioning. <laughs> and then, like, one day someone just says, like, a very innocuous statement that happens to be his triggering word. <laughs> and he goes he just, full Manchurian candidate. Yeah, just he, Merc Cisco for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what we forgot. Oh, fuck. Well. Yeah, no, awesome episode. Go watch. Oh, yeah. It's not it has no it doesn't have a melon top in it like the oh, last yeah, episode. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't have a great prop comedy scene. So that yeah. that's the only thing that doesn't make it the best episode. Yeah. But what's funny is like as you said, like Quark's only in it for forty five seconds, and he has a a funnier, just comedic little break than the entirety of Melon Top. <laughs> true, and really, there, there's not a lot of levity in this episode. There's there not isn't. much funny unless like you're like an idiot like us and can like laugh for 20 minutes about <laughs> dropped the ball. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. Because they, they definitely keep that just like, yeah, just that feeling of paranoia mm-hmm. and just like, and yeah, just like that feeling of making you feel uncomfortable. Like, like watching it and making, making you, and since, and also since miles is such a, like, you know, relatable, you, relatable character, you just like, you know, you're just like, why is everyone being mean to him? And right. We yeah. love miles. Yeah. yeah he's, a, miles. He's, he's such a great every man. Like everyone mm-hmm. loves Miles. Yeah, so that was a great episode. So uh, you want to uh, go ahead and figure out uh, what random episode we're watching next week? Hells yeah. All right, so we'll be watching the sixth episode of um, uh, Star Trek Lower Decks. Don't know what that one's called yet. But uh, for our older episode, we go ahead and look for a number between 800 and – or sorry, 1 and 855, which is the number of Trek episodes they produced. Mm-hmm. And we go ahead and watch that episode in production order. So, you ready to roll? Let's roll. So, it's going to be the third number here. First number. 108. Not that. Next number. 761. Not that. That's got to be a that's got to be a discovery episode. Thank God we don't have that. Next number. All right. Next week we are watching episode 522, which uh, correlates to Voyager, Season 4, Episode 25, mm. titled One. Mm. That should have been Episode 1. <laughs> yeah. would have made more sense. Yeah, so they really that? screwed up. All righty. Well, uh, that's all the, uh, all the Trek we watched this week. With that, are you ready to make our way to the comms for some subspace transmissions? Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Subspace transmissions. Subspace transmissions. Oh boy, here we are. We're in subspace transmissions. It is that part of the show 
where we go ahead and we read uh, comments off of uh, what do we got this week? We got Reddit. We got IMDb comments. Should oh, yeah. be fun. All righty, let's uh, let's start with um, where we started this week with lower decks and comments on it on Reddit, the only place that really has comments the day it airs, mm-hmm. which is today. So, starting with uh, uncertain error, says something fourteen hours ago. Now, what kind of person would you say uncertain error is? What what voice am I reading this in? Hmm. Feel like they're very they have a, they're a very technical type of person. Yeah, so nerdy, nerdy. Yes. All right. Uh, Rutherford's b- uh, dark backstory is so interesting. Why was he so angry? Why didn't he know that he was being targeted for that shady project? I also like them confirming that Rutherford's of Filipino heritage, like Eugene Carino on the Sampagutia. Meanwhile. Tulgana 4 continues to be a magnificent fountain for obscure callbacks. I especially loved the butt parasite conspiracy and the Wadi gaming booth. Now we know who's been making more Catrian game headsets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, why didn't he know that he was being targeted for the project? Uh, because they erased his memory. Yes. <laughs> I feel that was pretty, I feel that was pretty, uh, obvious right but uh yeah i mean i do i it is interesting that his that they did give him like the um uh and completely different personality after after his you know after his accident that is almost like lobotomized in a way (laughs) yeah like that starfleet should do more of that yeah that seems ethical (laughs) yeah Um, all right. Next, we have a comment from uh, Maddie Magpies. What kind of person do you think Maddie Magpies is? Besides, obviously, someone on Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I would say probably like uh, with the magpie thing. I don't want to wear like weird little kid. Weird little kid? Okay. Yeah. The number of times the Starfleet crew before this episode did have to fly back to the past to save humanity from being destroyed in the future. One, the voyage home. Two, first contact. Three, Carpenter Street. Four, Stormfront. This does not count the times in which the crew was slinged back accidentally, e.g. tomorrow is yesterday past tense and future's end, or the crew slinging back then fucked up the future by themselves, <laughs> e.g. city on the edge of tomorrow, or a Starfleet crew traveling in time recently to save recent time, e.g. year of hell, or a non-Starfleet crew traveling back in time to save the future, e.g. perpetual infinity, or the Starfleet crew traveling back in time <laughs> to save their future, e.g. Cold Front Endgame. Or a Starfleet crew traveling forward in time to save the future, e.g. Sweet, sweet Sorrows 42. Or a Starfleet crew after this episode traveling back in time to save the future, e.g. Picard Season 2. Or a Starfleet crew probably traveling back in time to Picard's reasons, e.g. Prodigy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just. I mean, a, I, I I am. Or, or, or Starfleet crew. <laughs> this is the worst list of all time. I hate it so much. Yeah. I mean, I, I am uh, tired of uh, uh, time travel as a plot device. Oh, no. Generally. It fucking sucks. I hate that. Shit. Yeah. Like, um, 
I mean, there are some interesting um, uh, time travel stories, but more or less, I'm like, okay, yeah. We, especially, I think, I do feel Picard season two killed it for me. Like, because yeah, that because there is sloppy like going back in time and how how they, directly that affects the future. I like, mean, but but you'd like that because I know you kid like I'm extra sloppy. <laughs> I do like it being sloppy. Yeah, but. Um, just the fact, just you know, just going back and being like murder hobos, and just like just going wild in the past, and and then like go to the back to the future, and there's no consequences for it. It's just kind of like, no, that sounds pretty cool to me. Yeah, like, if we had time travel, I would definitely go back in the past and just like murder shit and come back. No, that'd be pretty cool. That's why I think, yeah, I mean that um that one um Treehouse of Horror episode with Homer going back in time and then like one every little step that he does has a direct impact on the future i thought that was really good It'd be a lot cooler if it was treehouse of horror <laughs> speaking of horror born ashes says something today what kind of person do you think born ashes is mm. born ashes uh probably like a cool like well, like a person that collects like like um f- non-functional samurai swords. That's very cool. Yeah, I got this. <laughs> Holy smokes! It just clicked for me. The juxtaposition of Tendi hugging Rutherford, the colors of their uniforms, and then Tiana with Shax putting his arm on her shoulder right next to them in that scene. You know they were both thinking, yeah. That used to be us. I wonder if this means that Tendi and Rutherford are going to be the catalyst for those two getting their shit together and working on the problem in their own relationship. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, I could see. Yeah, them. They, they definitely. Yeah, a lot of but people I, ship them. That but I feel sense. like, uh, well, like um, Shax and Tiana, like them, like because they were having those marital issues, right? Or not marital. I guess they're just dating, but. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, those issues um, in their own relationship, and it could just be like looking like, oh yes, but also they like, Rutherford and Tindy aren't dating though. Then they're nothing like Shaxx and yeah, they're nothing like them. Yeah, all, so. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true. Yeah, and they're just they're just friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh baby, you. <laughs> all right. Um. So next we got a comment from Make It Slow. Uh, what what type of person do you think make it slow is? Make it slow and sloppy. Uh, make it slow, number one. <laughs> give me give, give me those deep strokes, number one. <laughs> Hit them back wires. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hit them sugar walls, number one. Mm. What kind of person make it slow? Um. Oh, definitely a guy. I bet he like. I I could I bet he's on some sort of like barbecue subreddit. Oh, okay. Like gotcha. you know, low and slow. Yeah. Well, I do believe this is the first canon reference to Cisco, and that he is not still returned. Sad for that fact in the storyline, but like that, there's finally a reference. Yeah, I do. Li- yeah, I did like the Cisco reference. Yeah, that was a good reference. We all love. We all love Cisco. Yep, we do love our Cisco folks, don't don't we? Yeah, I, I, DS9 should have had a movie. 
Oh, it should have. It would have been so cool. I mean, DS9, the last three seasons were a continuous movie. But yeah, it would have been awesome if they like actually gave it some real finality. Because like the last episode's good. Yeah. But like they could have done something really cool with like, uh, you know, just a... um... Yeah, it'd be Kira uh, in charge of the station. And and, uh, yeah, and then we see like, you know a return from of Cisco in some form mm-hmm. that he could just be like reaching out for like some purpose, like to, mm-hmm. to get to uh, lead everybody. And, you know, they defeated the minion, but there could be like something they were meant to do. Mm. I mean, they defeated the dominion, but they didn't defeat the minions. Oh, you see what I'm saying? I'm saying uh, <laughs> despicable me three, five, nine. <laughs> Can you imagine if like the, uh, like the, like, uh, when the, um, the changelings started like coming to um, interact with, um, with, uh, with the Federation. And they're like, we've took, we've taken a form to be more pleasing for you. And they were just the oh, minions. minions. <laughs> and then, like we, we studied, the- we call this one Stuart. <laughs> we studied the records of your history. And this one appears the most. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've studied your media in ancient cultures. <laughs> and- we we see that this is the ancient deity your children like the most. You are making minions movies all the way up to, to year one hundred and ninety eight, <laughs> two thousand one hundred ninety eight. Like, Wayun here looks like one of the characters from Hotel Transylvania. <laughs> also, can you imagine if like in, like God that would be like in a, in a if they were ever to make another Ghostbusters movie like you know in the. When uh, this Zool was just like, choose the form of your destroyer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a giant minion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be very apt because I, because I do feel like the minions are a, um, the signal of the decline, the final decline of learning the final age. <laughs> they're the heralds of our destruction. I mean, they're, they're, how do I put this? They're like, they're what, like, how do I put this flyover state people excuse themselves to like regress into a state of childhood retardation because of the minions. (laughs) And I don't understand it. There's, there's a million adults in the Midwest who are like, the minions are so funny. And I'm like, (laughs) dude, they're not made for you. And the fact that you think they are is distressing. Just like baby Yoda is like, like also it's funny watching baby Yoda just be like, uh, like, like older adults, like uh, like moms and like crazy right wing dads, also also really into maybe like I think yesterday like like you know I love bumper stickers mm-hmm. and um I always and, and I'm stuck in traffic for like two hours a day and so I always like interesting bumper stickers and like one guy he just had like a uh a pro two a thing mm-hmm. uh, blue lives matter and then also like a giant decal on the back of his truck that said like, this is the way with like baby Yoda on it. And I was laughing so hard. That, <laughs> that, that dude would have to take like multiple courses to learn to breathe through his nose. <laughs> like He's operating a motor vehicle. How? Yeah. I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I I bet he like lives a, like a literal straight shot from his home to his work. Like he doesn't ever turn the steering wheel yeah. at all. It's, he basically drives a train to work every day. 
It's being remote controlled by somebody. <laughs> it's just on a little track. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope I hope that he has this like a baby Yoda that's next to him when he drives. Oh my like, god! Like a oh, and he, he takes the the fucking HOV lane with him. <laughs> <laughs> He's real to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, we got a um, a comment from uh, Caravel Clarahu. What kind of person do you think they are? Ugh. I hate that name. <laughs> I don't know, it sounds like a Harry Potter name or something. No, okay. So, the, the big fat idiot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or or British. Uh, well, I mean, what's the difference? Well, I won the house softly. Miss Lavender. I can't. I wonder how Starfleet handles. I can't hear this voice. <laughs> I wonder how Starfleet handles potentially awkward conversations between someone who is briefly possessed with the person they insulted. Do you think Rutherford has a medical slip from Doc Tiana explaining what happened so that Ensign Barnes won't file an HR complaint? Mm, that's a good point. I hate that voice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, I mean, Tendy knows, like he he did push Tendy, mm-hmm. but yeah, Barnes. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a very bizarre conversation to be like. So I was possessed by my older self that's been kind of dead for ten years. So I did harass you, but it was but, an older version yeah. of me. Trust me, I've changed. I'm literally a different person. Like, oh yeah, I just remember the guy's name, uh, Phineas Gage. That's a great name. Yeah, he's the guy that got the um um. A steel pipe through his face oh. and through his brain and um it completely changed his personality he became a completely different person after he got the uh metal pipe through his ear i was trying to remember his name throughout great. the entire thing yeah then it suddenly just came to yeah phineas gage yeah that was, and there was like a whole like um sparked a whole conversation about like yeah the brain and personalities and mm-hmm. yeah so that was yeah this that's what this reminded me of like the phineas gage where yeah because he was a really nice well, this I guess it's the opposite. He was a really nice guy before his accident. Oh, really? And then he afterwards he became like a massive asshole. So, despite all his rage, he is still just Phineas Gage. <laughs> despite all my rage, I am still just Phineas Gage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> like when you first said his name, I'm like, I'm gonna use this joke. I'm gonna use this joke. And you're like, oh my god, the story actually works with this joke. The story actually works with this joke. Like, you have no idea how fucking hard I am right now. Like, I, I could like, I I could walk across the room with my dick. <laughs> All right. So uh, last comment on uh, this week's um, lower decks. So uh, Flids three nine one says something. What what kind of person we got for? Th- Flids three nine one, Flids. Uh, definitely one of the people, uh, an adult that wears um, um, those animal ha- those uh beanies that have animal ears. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I may be missing something here, but wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> Uh, just go with Australian. Just go with Australian. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> They're both downs under. 
I'm I'm done. <laughs> I'm I'm canceling myself. All right, <laughs> Phil's three or Phil DS maybe. Phil Dom's oh. Dom Sub three nine one. Oh, Phil DS. That that's right. He like he probably likes the dual screen or Dom Sub relationships. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> do you think the Nintendo DS was which which screen do you think was the Dom and which one do you think was the Sub? Oh, the Sub was definitely on the bottom. I guess that makes sense. But then, like the bottom one was had all the control though. Yeah. Well, Ooh. the bottom one is the one that you poke with a stick though. Too, right? mm, okay yeah. god this is complicated it's it is complicated <laughs> so the sexuality of video game handheld consoles is very very complex fat all right phil ds says um i may be missing something here but it doesn't this episode create a continuity problem in the first episode boimler says that rutherford had just gotten the implant a few weeks before but in this episode Hiana says the memories were from a decade ago Presumably, that would include the memory of the explosion implant. Plus, the higher-up in the memory was wearing a TNG-era uniform. Yeah, I mean... So, but, I mean, it was ten years prior in the TNG era. Yeah, and so, and is... um, But then, is this... that I, You could say this is another, like, product of his uh, memory being erased. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So there's, But... Yeah. But then, like, he know, But... But current Ruth Rutherford does know that he got it ten years ago. Yeah, right. Oh man, it it does cough. Yeah, it does offer like because and also Boimler did Boimler presumably not know Rutherford before the first episode. I don't know. That's a good question. Because then that's also like a conflict. Because then Boimler's memories can be definitely be trusted, mm-hmm. and he said, and so he knew. Rutherford, supposedly Rutherford before that. And he said it was only a few weeks ago. I don't know, dog. I don't know. I hope somebody got fired for that blunder. Indeed. I, um, yeah, I hope they, uh, castrated someone for that blunder. <laughs> like, they don't deserve to breed. Just, just, just flogged in public. Yeah. I, I hope they just completely ended that family lineage. <laughs> like, they, they found, like, everyone in that bloodline and executed them. Yeah. That's, that's what needs to happen there. Yeah. The, the the blood pool will be pure. <laughs> Indeed. All right. So next we have um, uh, comments and reviews of the uh, DS9 episode we watched, uh, season two, episode 14, Whispers. Hells yeah. Uh, do you want to go uh, countdown or count up? Do you want the worst rating to the best rating or the best rating to the worst rating? I guess yeah, last time we did best to worst. Let's do worst to best. Worst to best. You got it. All right. Well. Scroll down on here. Well, there's not oh, that man. many bad. Boring. Yeah, there's not that many <laughs> bad reviews here. Most people yeah. really love this episode because guess what? It, it fucks. Rocks. It fucks. Yep. But uh, here we go. Film reader says gives it a three out of ten on uh, the thirteenth of April, twenty twenty. Damn, this is a recent one. Uh huh. And he says. Boring. I'm using the voice you used for him. He says, uh, <laughs> "I wonder who are these that gave high ratings? Boring episode." Wow, that's sad, dude. Yeah, fuck you, guy. I mean, this is during COVID, isn't it? The first parts of COVID. Yeah, I guess so. So he's, he's just stuck at home, jaying off. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, nah, not my favorite. Not my favorite. Oh, that's another another recent uh, review. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 2021. So uh, this one title is Almost a Success, A Shallow Attempt at a Profound Plot. 
This one's written by Skinny Burt on the 12th of February, 2021, and gives it 5 out of 10. Uh, Skinny Burt says, uh, From the first teaser scene, we can see the warning sign. Not enough story filling the scene. And then we have to wonder if there wasn't enough story to fill the episode, since O'Brien has to narrate it for us. Sure enough, there isn't. So why does everyone else rate this so high? The premise is great, but the details don't hold up. Why does Kiko make his favorite food, but not eat it yourself? Answer, to satisfy the story mechanics and no other reason. No, I mean, it's to add to O'Brien's feelings of paranoia. Yeah, it, it adds to his feelings of alienation, which is yeah. like, the point of this episode is it's supposed to give the viewer a feeling of alienation, and yeah. it does perfectly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there could, there being, that's, and I think it's perfect that we don't know if there was anything wrong with this, too. True. Because then that, like, what we what we think says, you know, are we being, par- are, are, are we paranoid, or are we like no of course it was normal yeah (laughs) so i just realized uh this the username here is skinny bert but i've been rating it as skinny ernie you have been i i totally just realized that i'm i don't think i do a very good bert it's a little more curt it's like um now now i can't even think of what bert sounds like yeah it's a little more like this it's a little ernie ernie you son of a bitch You gotta do the reach around, otherwise it's not worth it for either of us. Like, mm, grab my rubber ducky. <laughs> rubber ducky, you're so good. Dinner asshole, feel so good. <laughs> rubber ducky, you make my prostate explode. Do 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 you? <laughs> you make me go. Pop 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 pop. Um. So, uh, where are we where are we at? Uh, why does O'Brien trust people and get disappointed when he already suspects a conspiracy? Same answer. Why didn't they just throw him in the brig until the situation was resolved? See mm. previous answer. I mean, I do agree with that. I and mean, then the denouement happens far too easily. A common problem in TNG onward trek. Even without the final line about Kieko, which doesn't bear up to examination. Why doesn't it? It works. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's sad. Like this clone <clears throat> that actually had, that never actually had a relationship with Keiko, but thought that they did. Yeah. It's like, but still feels I mean, since that, we are a combination of our memories. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that was his memory. Yeah. That was O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what are we, but a combination of our memories and experiences mm-hmm. and like actions towards others. And it's is, interesting. Yeah. Cause also that it's it's weird because this is a a good mirror episode to the lower decks one mm-hmm. because it's the same thing like there was two Ruth Rutherfords like like he was two separate people because of like of his memories mm-hmm. and um and that came in conflict it was like a different kind of different way like this like whispers was two identical people and this True. was like two people with completely different personalities inhabiting right. the same body Memories all alone in my implant. <laughs> and also both have an episode where the um the uh the uh imposter t- uh takes a warp ca- or or attempts to take a warp capable ship and then is taken yeah. down. Yeah, that's yeah. true. In- indeed. <laughs> so uh continuing on with Skinny Bird's comment. 
A much stronger episode would have started with the last scene confrontation that flashed back to the story's beginning. Keiko's behavior should have been something more subtle than straight up acting suspicious. And Odo should not have been thrown under the plot device bus. What? <laughs> Which is all too bad. O'Brien and Odo are two of our favorite characters on the show, and we are quite familiar with the Phil Dickian storyline attempted here. Anyone who's seen Total Recall will see the similarities. But the denouement only... Denouement. Denouement? What does that even mean? Um, you know, the the final... Oh, the final... Yeah. The Denouement only tells us what happened. Not why or how or with any sense of a larger picture. So the end result is a great portrayal of a mood and perspective which simply doesn't connect the dots to make sense. Looks great. And anyone who saw a few minutes of out the middle would definitely find themselves hooked. I just wish they'd finish the job right. Shut up, skinny Bert. You're wrong. It fucked. Yeah. Fuck off, Bert. <laughs> go, go suck a fu- go suck Ernie's dick. Yeah. But fucking take 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 that slander out of your mouth and put a dick in it, idiot. I don't know. I mean, like having like the I think having like his, you know, him being shot to death in the beginning. And then flashing back. Um, no, that would have been too confusing. For yeah, me. that would have been too confusing. And then like, um, and then because like when it happens, you're like, oh shit, you know, they get shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I feel like it's a, it's better to have like the slow burn and because ha- like that's the thing. Also, like having him shot d- makes it seem like there is a conspiracy against him. Like you right. want you want that feeling like. Is there a conspiracy or isn't there? Is he just like being crazy right, or overreacting? Right. Mm-hmm. And then having show but showing him being shot first completely like be like, oh no, there is a conspiracy. Right, right. Yeah, it's much more effective to have you guessing the entire time. Yeah, and really like the 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 slow descent into madness is such a great way to, you know, present a storyline. Yeah. And if the you know, it was like, oh well, he's obviously mad for a good reason from mm-hmm. the beginning of the episode. It would have went too much. Like the the little bit of exposition they did at the beginning of the episode with the personal log and how they put mm-hmm. that as the through line was great. Yeah. That was great storytelling, amazing writing. This this guy's a fucking idiot. I, I don't think he knows how to write shit. <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> so next we have a uh a comment from Gassy Dabber. Oh hell's um, yeah. Yeah, so a stoner, fellow stoner, and also uh, like you, a fellow farter. Yeah, dude that loves to fart. He loves to dab. He loves his dabs. And he loves to rip ass. Yeah, so if we were if we were one person, like <laughs> yeah. this would be us, right? Um, so he gives it a seven out of ten and says, "It's imposter." Glad someone else caught it. Warning, spoilers. So he says, um, it's a "Gassy, sto- gassy dabber." So a gassy stoner. Not sure why this episode is rated so highly over the others near it. <laughs> it doesn't offer anything new, and if anything, <laughs> I wish they'd just used it on another <laughs> character as O'Brien just had his own with Bashir. <laughs> Anyone who's read Philip K. Dick Imposter would recognize the storyline from the get-go. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, with storylines like this, where a solitary person believes everyone else is conspiring against them, it can only end in one of two ways. Everyone is on it. 
damn it. <laughs> Can you make my fart noises here? <laughs> Thank you. Which is often ridiculous, like the lady vanishes, the game, flight plan, or the narrator is unreliable, which often feels like a cheat. This episode had the chance to find a balance when O'Brien runs a hypothesis by Odo, and the two discuss a completely plausible reason behind O'Brien's paranoia, but diverts from course back to having him an unreliable narrator, man. Almost a great episode, but winds up being... Being just sort of filler, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I loved that. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's why I think Odo maybe did know when he came on to the um, right, right, and onto the and ship. I actually like the mystery of like not knowing if Odo knows, not knowing if Jake knows. Yeah. Like, there's yeah, it's it's a good mystery, and like this is a well constructed episode. I have. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there are things that aren't perfect about it, yeah. like some the exposition over his dead corpse or his dying corpse. Shut up, that rule. <laughs> <laughs> Stop hating. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, <laughs> I just realized something about the next episode. comment. That's great. Um, yeah, no, I I once again am totally disregarding any criticisms of this episode. Yeah, you're wrong, Gassy Dabber. Go fart. <laughs> go go fart yourself. All right, are you ready for this comment? Yeah. All right, this one. Uh, Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, this one was left by Frankie Lee uh, on September 11th, 2020, uh, 19th anniversary of uh, the towers falling. He gives it a seven out of ten uh, instead of a nine out of eleven. <laughs> oh my god! And, and says inter- missed a chance. Interesting to watch, but poorly thought out, which spoils the ending. <clears throat> he says. This episode is like a poor mystery novel written with very good prose. It's engaging to watch and leaves you wondering what's happening, but it relies on the fact that you don't know what's happening to get away with numerous cheats that don't make any sense the second you find out what's really going on. Starfleet personnel do not behave as Starfleet personnel. People do absurdly irrational things. The morality and ethics underpinning the show's entire existence as laid out by Gene Roddenberry are discarded. It's a goddamn shame. The actual play out of the story, the acting, the direction, they're actually quite good. Not true of much of this season, so it's too bad they were wasted on this. Give me a break ending. Very typical of DS9 through the first two seasons, lacking proper craft or attention to detail. Also, uh, I just, yeah, I kind of thought about something like it could be that the reason why the clone was being irrational, irrationally paranoid is because I think instinctively he probably did know he didn't belong. And um, because I think I'm a clone now, <laughs> think I'm a clone now. Yeah, he, he knew that he didn't belong and that's why he was being defensive and uh and just and fi- and just being just generally like off, out of out of out of sorts so he could that's why he could have been doing it like like typical o'brien probably wouldn't have been doing that he probably just been like ah jesus and kind of got a pint like oh great stew i'm gonna go jerk off yeah yeah he's but like the also i also i wonder if um you know, when uh, he was try- trying hard to get into the Parada's uh, quarters, like also that was like, again, some of his like 
subconscious on conditioning to get inside that room and maybe plant the device or mm. or do something to make sure unconsciously do something so he can get in again. So he could have he he like who knows what his his motivations were, and that's why also why he left the pylons to go check because he knew he unconsciously knew he needed to get inside that room and murder the Paradas. I just thought of something huh? that could have like really thrown a gear into this whole episode. What if um, what if like Kiyoko was really into uh, uh consensual non consent? Mm. And like when when O'Brien starts getting feisty and she's like, no, I'm not in the mood. He's like, well, I know what that means. <laughs> it's like, no means yes. And then like, and then the rest is like a, a fucking Law and Order SVU on DS9. I mean, I think it would have been, I think it would have been funny if like, if she didn't actually know that it was a clone. <laughs> and she's, she's like, I fucked what? <laughs> she's just, she's just like, get off of me. Get off of me. Miles. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be amazing if you like impregnated her and then like, mm. yeah. Right. And they had just ended up with a second version of Molly. <laughs> <laughs> or like, or like a baby that wants to kill the Paradas. <laughs> <laughs> a rebel baby, a rebel baby. Yeah. We love that. All right. Next, we got a comment. Uh, we got an 8 out of 10. Uh, this, the title is Okay, I Guess, which is <laughs> pretty pretty generous for, you know, an okay, I guess, 8 yeah. out of 10 there. Yeah. So Hitchcock says on the 7th of October, 2018, he says, I've watched way too much TV. No, I, I don't like that voice. <laughs> I've watched way too much TV in my time. So I knew with four minutes left and no resolution, something dramatic was going to happen. I thought, here comes the to-be-continued notice. Nope. It was something else that ended the episode. Our friend O'Brien is in a shuttle being pursued by members of the Federation. He feels that some alien form has taken over the bodies of the people on the space station, and he was onto them. This has good suspense, and O'Brien's character is quite good. Nevertheless, the ending was too abrupt and a little short on veracity. Still, I guess with sci-fi, anything goes. This is no exception. And really, like, also, like, being taken over by by alien life forms isn't, it, to his defense, isn't out of the realm of possibilities right. for them. And that's actually not what O'Brien thought. No. He never, like postulated that at all he just knew something was wrong yeah he couldn't figure it out yeah he never articulated it in any meaningful way and never said are you an alien or anything like that. yeah uh he just the only the only allusions he even made to that he said like that's not my kieko mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and really and also uh, it's like that that's not my kieko she always wants to <laughs> fuck and yeah that's that goes back to like you know the clone unconsciously knew that he that he that it wasn't his Keiko. Mm-hmm. Like he, he knew something was wrong and his, his, his latent Irish Catholicism <laughs> taking over. Like I can't fuck someone who's not my wife. <laughs> yeah. Like you're, you're, you're bad. You're wrong. You're bad. You're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving up the list here. We have another eight out of 10. Yeah, a re- a relative, another relatively uh, recent uh, review. Too. Yeah. This one uh, was on the 5th of November, 2021. Uh, BGAIV says, Excellent torture, O'Brien episode. <clears throat> DS9 made an art of torturing Miles O'Brien. The show does it well, and Meanie plays it well every time. This one is a solid early entry. That said, this one does have issues. The main problem 
is that the station reasonably suspected O'Brien as a replicant bent on a secret assassination mission. They would have isolated him and explained it. The real Miles would have accepted that. Also, the Julian-Miles banter is excellent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they 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 probably should. I do have agree with that. That yeah. that is the only plot hole. Is like in any other situation, the episode would have started and it would just be Cisco putting him in the brig, being like, "Uh, we have a suspicion that you're not the real O'Brien." O'Brien was like, "What do you mean?" And he's yeah. like, "We'll explain it when we know more." But I'm so sorry, you know, something like that. Or they could have said, "Um, oh my god." Like, you know, just, like, something not to break, like, because, like, you know, being told that you're not the real you, mm-hmm. despite having all the memories, because that that's a big, you know, mind fuck. Right. They could have been, like, looks like, you looks like um the you have some, um like, there is some disease that the uh, biofilters didn't get out, mm. and you need to be isolated. That's true, and, yeah. And There's this, a lot of things they could have done. Yeah, and, the, like, they, and, like, it's, and it's for your own safety, and, like, you know, and Bashir could have you know giving him a secret like hypo spray that like makes him like form some sort of weird system symptoms to make it to convince him and then so here here is my rebuttal to all of these to all mm-hmm. of the inconsistencies in the episode like why did they let like the imposter o'brien just run around yeah all right i i can it's fun as fuck <laughs> well i can clear this up in in one question mm-hmm. who the fuck else is as good of an engineer as Miles O'Brien. Yeah. No one else can run that fucking station but Miles exactly. O'Fucking Brian or an exact copy of Miles O'Brien. And and also they're at this point, like they're just going off of suspicions too. Yeah, true. And so like or or rumors. And so they don't know for sure. Fleetwood Max rumors, in fact. Fleetwood Max rumors. They got they did a bunch of Coke and listened to rumors mm-hmm. and like we can go our own way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that it, like that wouldn't be enough to like yeah um, incarcerate him, but they could have used like a you know like a fake response you know fake like he needs to be medically quarantined, mm-hmm. and that would have been all the explanation he would he would need like he would be fine with that like he would just yeah. be like oh yeah no problem I'm just doing my duty. Mm-hmm. And he would corn. like uh, you, you, uh, you caught the potato blight. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, the... oh, fucking quarantine <laughs> me, Jesus, no. Jesus, give Jesus! It give it to me straight. <laughs> Can I have potatoes again? <laughs> <laughs> Only if they're boiled into in, into a fine paste. <laughs> Only if they're boiled until they look like beef. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only until they're boiled till they're the sauce for the stew. <laughs> um. So, all right. Next, we got uh, a comment from Tweakums <laughs> on March 18th, 2010, 12 years ago. Wow. So, nine out of 10. Tweakums says, uh, ah, This was an interesting episode told mostly in flashback. The chief is aboard a runabout and is being pursued by other officers from DS9 for reasons not immediately apparent. As he makes a log entry, we see what happened before to lead up to the strange situation. When the chief gets back to the station after arranging the security details for a peace treaty between two warring factions from the Gamma Quadrant, he finds that nobody is behaving normally. At first, it is just little things. His daughter does not want to kiss. Cisco has got another officer working on the security details for a peace conference without telling him, and he can't access all the files he should be able to. 
As things progress, he becomes convinced that something or someone is affecting the crew. Soon he realizes that he must get off the station if he is to find out just what is going on. Stealing a runabout, he heads back to the Gamma Quadrant and makes a shocking discovery. Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> it wasn't the rest of the crew of DS9 that had been changed. It was him. The chief O'Brien we'd been watching was a replica and identical in every way, but programmed to carry out unspecified orders at a given time, including fuck O'Brien's <laughs> wife. <laughs> Cole Meany did a great job as Chief O'Brien getting more and more paranoid, as though as he considers friends shut him out from doing his job and giving him manufactured tasks to keep him out of the way. It was a shame that the replacement died at the end, although it did add extra poignancy to the story yeah it's true yeah i mean that was yeah, that was pretty much all that very grim very grim ending i loved i i mean this yeah. has got to be one of my favorite written endings to mm-hmm. like the line of tell kieko i love mm-hmm. and then he dies mm-hmm. is the sickest most savage shit a writer <laughs> can do it was like when I saw it, I was like, they what? Yeah. Like, I remember the episode because, I mean, we were talking last week. I saw this episode maybe a year ago. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, is that the one where he's, uh, yeah, okay, I remember yeah. that. But I actually totally forgot the tell Kiko I love dead. dead. And so when I saw that, I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was great, yeah. All right. So last one. And uh, it was actually... This one didn't even have a star rating, but it was at the top. So mm. I'm going to consider it's a good one, but uh, it still has a question about this. So uh, M. Wienercats. Oh, I don't like that name at all. Um, you know what that is probably? Mm. M. Wiener Cats. So M. Wiener. Uh, you know who whose initial is M and his last name is actually Wiener? Oh. Michael Wiener? Michael Savage. Oh, really? Michael Savage's name is actually Michael Wiener. Interesting. Hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, so this is probably Michael Savage. He probably watches a lot of Star Trek. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I'm kidding. He doesn't believe autistic people exist. He can't watch Star Trek. <laughs> like, you can't believe, like, Spock or Dad are real if you don't believe in autistic people. That's true. Um. So... But it could be. I mean, it could be his cat's uh, his cat's account. I mean, he does have a cat, yeah, or two. I'm not sure. Michael Savage's cats. Uh-huh. I wish I could do a good Michael Savage impression. I actually <laughs> listen to his show fairly regularly because he is, um, one of the most evil, dumbest men I've ever listened to, and I think yeah. it's fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know what the kids are listening to. Yeah, exactly. The kids, the fucking <laughs> evil boomers. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so M M Wiener Katz says on uh, May 26, 2020, I very much enjoyed this episode. I love body snatcher stuff. Mm. The one question I have is this, why would they tell Molly that her father wasn't really her father? She was too young to be given this information, which would have frightened any child at her age. Yes. (laughs) Keiko did the right thing by sending her someplace else for the night, but should have done so without telling Molly why. Molly's reaction to Miles would have been a gigantic giveaway to Miles. 
if you're trying to be subtle, never tell a child under a certain age a secret. Mm-hmm. Children that age are extremely honest. Maybe I missed something about this episode, but that really surprised me. I agree that Colm Meany was terrific. I'm a big fan of his. Totally agreed. Yeah. Yeah, great review. Yeah, Molly would have started screaming and crying. Yeah. And she probably would have never stopped screaming and crying because, cause like, really, how can she trust that any person is really who they say they are? Oh, exactly. And- that would create such crazy <laughs> – like, when, you're, when your mom tells you that your dad is an imposter. Yeah. That's- but but wait, real daddy will be back in a few weeks. I'd be like, um, yeah. What it, it would it like it would have made no impact on her to know that information. No. And um and like or if she didn't know that information, like she, it it would have been like what would have been the worst thing that she did? Like give him a kiss on the cheek, right? And like and still and just see like oh it's my dad because yeah, that that's a great point. Like yeah. I mean, although they were suspicious of him, like, he was still mm-hmm. acting exactly like O'Brien. Yeah. And, I mean, he was only, like, programmed to uh, sabotage, like, the peace talks. That they know of. That they know of. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that'd be that'd be wild if they, like... But still, they had Molly around him, and if he was going to do something dangerous, <laughs> like... I mean... That'd be great if they like programmed him to like eat his family. <laughs> <laughs> Put in the Ted Cruz program. <laughs> but, but yeah, like yeah, I mean, they could have just not told her and still kept her at a di- at a at a safe safe distance, mm-hmm. and it would have made no difference. Like they would have killed the clone. Real O'Brien would have came back and be like, "Hey, it's Daddy," and she'd have been like, "Yay, Daddy!" And like, never been now. Now she has this phobia that every yeah. single person is is not who they say they are, or that her yeah. dad and mom are. Because real. they didn't let O'Brien work on the security measures at all, so that like he was unconnected to that. Like realistically, they should have just sent O'Brien back to arrive right as the peace talks were starting, so they couldn't have been like onto him. Right? Yeah, I don't know. There was. There's a couple things, a couple plot holes here and there. That's why I think he was probably unconscious. Like he was also supposed to be unconsciously like setting booby traps or something right. for the Pradas. Cause that would have been like a way more effective way to assassinate them. If they had someone, that's a good point. Um, if they had the engineer responsible for the safety setting right, up right. things, cause then he could have put in like his he, IEDs and shit all over. Yeah. He could have put IEDs in there and he would, he wouldn't even probably even know, know he was doing it. Like he would right. just be like, I'm doing a good job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, he's just like rigging the whole place to explode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like thinking about potatoes, thinking about potatoes, mm-hmm. thinking about potatoes, thinking about beer. I like, love my family. <laughs> I love my family. Gotta go home, have sex with my wife. Missionary style, missionary style, missionary style. <laughs> gonna blow up the tech. Gonna blow up DS9. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh that is all of our subspace transmissions for the week. Yeah. Uh yeah. Um so it is almost time to say goodbye. But before we do, do you want to say goodbye to some of our fallen comrades? Yes. It's yes, time, I do. Time for a eulogy. Will the awaitings in a pinch and somebody had to die? But thanks a lot. Time to beam up to the big red shirt in the sky. Today we pay our respects to two unnamed crewmen who acted as security officers under Captain James T. Kirk aboard the USS Enterprise. 
Captain Kirk ordered the men to their death mistakenly after his crew and their uh, had their minds controlled by a group of malevolent children from the planet Triacus, making Kirk believe they were still orbiting the planet when they were not, and subsequently ordering the security officers beamed into space, mm. much to their demise. Yeah. So, Can't imagine that going well. <laughs> no, not at all. So rest in peace among the stars, crewmen. And whoopsie-daisy, Starfleet's bad. Damn evil children, we'll get you every time. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Thanks for your contribution to the greater good. Yeah, I so much. guess. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, yeah. Where can we find you on the internet, Mr. Pat, 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 Pat? Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Potomac Bomb, and also now Instagram. Yeah. At Potomac Bomb. Yeah, I, I actually fooled um, Pat here into getting onto Instagram. I told mm-hmm. him you get graham crackers. That's what the graham <laughs> means. And he's like, cookies? Instagram crackers? And now I have none. Yeah. Sorry, no s'mores. No no marshmallows. No, no marshmallows. Motherfucker. How about you, Britt? You can you can find me pretty much anywhere on the internet now. We're at Soy. Soy Trek, basically anywhere on the internet. But uh, you know what? Go ahead and uh, check out our Patreon, our mm. store, because those are what pay for the podcast. Yeah. Uh, both of those are uh, patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs or etsy.com slash shop slash dumbidiotbs. Yeah, going to get some more stickers in soon. Yeah, we've got a bunch of shirts that are selling really well. Yeah. We've got some more, one that I'm wearing right now. Yeah, it's uh, sick as fuck. Yeah, going up uh, uh, probably later this weekend. Hell yeah. You know, we, we out here. We out here selling shit, and it's dope boop, shit. Boop, 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 boop. Hell yeah. Um, so, I guess with that, yeah. Captain's Log, supplemental. Well, that's been all. Looks like it's time for us to warp away. Be well, travel safe, and as Ferengi rule of acquisition number 98 says, every man has his price. Ooh. Well, thank you for trekking with the soy boys and soy girls and soy otherworldly beans. Hang dong and shocker. Soy, 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 soy,